0: From Narberth to Newport for Pembrokeshire. From Pembrokeshire, this is Pure West Radio. Pure West Radio
1: News. I'm Charlie James and here's the latest for Pembrokeshire. 347 new cases of the coronavirus and five new COVID-related deaths have been recorded in the Hewell-Dar health board area, according to yesterday's figures. The latest figures from Public Health Wales showed that there were 210 new cases in Carmarthenshire, 102 in Pembrokeshire and 35 in Carydigion since the last report. The affordable housing to be included in a major development on the outskirts of Haverford West looks set to be removed from plans this week. An application for 700 houses on land at Slade Lane along with a supermarket, petrol station and associated infrastructure was approved in 2014 and reserved matters for 115 dwellings was approved in 2019. The developer's Conygar says the viability of the development would be at risk if it was to meet its agreement of 25% affordable housing, and it also wants to proceed without fully meeting a transport mitigation contribution and residential contribution. A planning report stated that its primary conclusion is that the development cannot viably provide any of the outstanding planning obligations policy requirements in respect of financial contributions towards infrastructure and affordable housing. It added that the evidence presented indicated that the development of much-needed new housing provision could not proceed if the Section 106 agreements were enforced. An urgent appeal has gone out to find rented accommodation for a third family of Syrian refugees who have been given the go-ahead to move into Cardigan. After a long wait due to the pandemic, the local charity involved with the Government Community Sponsorship Scheme for Settling Syrian Refugee Families have had their application accepted by the Welsh Government and Keradigan County Council. In a statement, they said, we were lucky enough to receive a generous donation which has provided us with the initial funds and we have had a great service of volunteers. Anyone else who can offer a little time for specific tasks or general friendship when the family arrive would always be welcome. A welcoming event is scheduled to be held at Cardigan Guild Hall on October the 19th, and anyone who feels they can help in the rehousing of the third family can contact Alex at alexcroiso, T-E-I-F-I, at gmail.com. A man has been accused of making homemade weapons whilst in jail and is to have his case heard at trial later this month. Rory Barnes, whose address is given in Milford Haven but was formerly given as Cumbry Terrace in Pembroke Dock, is accused of making weapons whilst he was serving time in HMP Park Bridge End in January. On January 18th, Barnes was said to be in possession of what was described as a bladed or sharply pointed article described as two plastic cutlery handles with the blade from a disposable razor melted onto them. The homemade weapon Barnes is alleged to have possessed is commonly known as a shiv. Just three days later, Barnes was also found to be in possession of a metal spike sharpened to a point with a green cloth handle. The same day, Barnes allegedly had on him a flat yellow coloured metal bar. Barnes denied the first two charges and entered a guilty plea to possessing the metal bar when he appeared at Cardiff Magistrates by video link on September 23rd. He will appear for trial at Cardiff Crown Court on October 21st for the other two matters. I'm Charlie James, and that's the latest for Pembrokeshire. Listen
0: online at PureWestRadio.com. Well, a very good evening and welcome to the second half on Pure West Radio with Pembrokeshire Properties. The show is normally live right now on the Pure West Radio Facebook page, but Facebook, WhatsApp and Instagram having one or two issues this evening. So we're going to carry on regardless. We're on the Pure West Radio website and on your smart speaker right now. And the show's being recorded, so you will be able to watch the videos on the Pure West Radio Facebook as soon as normal service is resumed. But wherever and however... You're joining us tonight. You are very welcome. And as ever, there is plenty to talk about on the show. As we heard in the first hour, running events are going strong in Pembrokeshire and across the UK right now. We'll hear more from Fraser about taking part in the brilliantly named Narbeth Nobler at Templeton Airfield in challenging conditions on Saturday. And Pembrokeshire was well represented in the London Marathon. So if you did it yesterday, either virtually virtually, or in London, a huge congratulations to you. We're going to talk cricket, football and local rugby. And joining us before nine will be an Olympian who now lives in Pelcombe, Bobby Brown's got an amazing story to tell, having represented Team GB at football in the 1960 Olympics and been a regular goal scorer for a number of football league clubs. He's written a book called All He Can Do Is Score Goals and he'll tell us about it before nine tonight. Going to talk indoor cricket in Pembrokeshire as well and the Sport Pembrokeshire Awards and stacks more in the company of Gordon Thomas and Fraser Watson. Evening to you both. Uh, Fraser, how are the legs?
2: been better Ben been better my first uh, ultra running experience on Saturday I'm pleased to say I didn't enjoy a single second of it um, <laughs> a, a good event thank you to the people who put it on but it's not an experience I'll be going back to anytime soon if I'm honest with you
0: <laughs> okay well, you're going to tell us all about oh, it in just be. a sec let me say evening to Gordon Thomas uh, a slightly more sedate weekend for you Gordon was it
3: yeah it was actually the rain really did dampen everything yeah. didn't it the weekend uh, I was going to go to Goodick versus Fishguard, but that was uh, called off quite early. Uh, Half West County did manage to get their game on against C- Connors Key, and uh, I was delighted that they got a 1-1 draw against the uh, champions. But other than that, I didn't go too far, unfortunately, Ben. It wasn't a very nice weekend.
0: Yeah, and Fraser's going to tell us in just a sec just how tough those conditions were uh, to do a running event. But, Gordon, it, it, it was the weather was really bad, wasn't it? And, it? and it did impact so much of the local football in particular. And it just felt quite early into the new season, the start of October, for, for the rain to be so torrential, even by Pembrokeshire standards.
3: Yeah, it has happened before. Fraser and I are well aware once the <laughs> West Wales Intermediate Cup first round comes, <laughs> yes. comes comes about, Fraser and I look at each other in anticipation when we were at the time. (laughs) thinking, is it going to be a washout? Are Merlin Bridge going to wait another seven weeks before they play a league game? Because that did happen one year. It's just amazing what happens when that competition starts. So uh, I'm hoping that uh, they can get it all done and dusted this coming weekend and we can move on to the Senior Cup and the league programme again.
0: Because you are right, the last thing clubs need now is a run of cancellation because it will just stack up fixtures later in the season and, and that's frustrating for everyone, isn't it?
2: Yeah, well, we've been there before, certainly again in Pembrokeshire, haven't we? But yeah, you're absolutely right. The last thing you want is a glut of midweek fixtures coming towards the end of the season. It has happened before. We hope it doesn't happen again. But just touching what you said there, Ben, about Connors, Keamy and Gordon we're talking on Saturday. The other three of us were bigging up Andy Morrison and his impact on the Welsh League last Monday. We best not talk about what happened Tuesday. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we'll um we'll do a bit on Haverford West County sure. before the end of the show because I had a really uh, decent draw, I thought, against Connors Key, but we were saying how good Andy Morrison was and how uh, you should read his autobiography on the show. And he got sacked the next day or party company anyway mm-hmm. with Connors Keenan. Another bed. chapter now. <laughs> what I would say his book is still very good. So do give it a read. Um, let, let's talk about some of the things that happened uh, this weekend. And, and running was obviously at, at the forefront. So, Fraser, your event at Templeton mm-hmm. Airfield. And, and Gordon, have a listen to this. I, I quite like the concept. 4.2 miles every hour.
2: Yeah, the Narbeth Nobbler, Ben, they're known for their endurance events. And I put endurance in inverted covers. But you're right, 4.25 miles every hour. I went there. Never done that kind of distance or race before. I went in quite naively. Uh, I saw Temple and Airfield and I thought good this will be a, a run around concrete and nice and flat and it wasn't. It was through marshes, it was th- what was concrete was <coughs> flooded. It was going through mud the lot. So, you know, I thought it was a shorter distance run and my problem would be pacing myself on the early laps, but it wasn't. You know, there was no way of going quick anyway, you know. It was just a case of keeping going and and you know, I managed to get to I think miles and I started the ninth lap and my legs literally buckled beneath me and I've never experienced it before so it was a painful day made worse by the weather but you know you have to kudos to the winner there Henry Drake I'm just looking at his stats now he did 14 laps 58.8 miles and remember the only reason that he couldn't carry on was because the rest of the 82 participants had then come out so that's not to say he wouldn't have gone further. I think Ben there were people hoping for more you had the likes of Sana Duthie there we know her endurance on the the Pembrokeshire coast path and and they were hoping for a 100 mile event and a a 24 hour some runners going 24 hours as Tim Plum said in the first hour of the show but the conditions just scuppered that and I think people were literally walking through it felt like you were running through waterfalls at one point so um you know it's one of those said I'm glad I did it (laughs) I've yet yet to really feel the benefits of it if I'm honest but no it was was some event it was something different um but it was a tough one and it was a challenge
0: well, well congr- congratulations. And, and Gordon, as we were saying with, with the weather, you can just imagine how difficult that, that would have made it for everyone on Saturday.
3: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I contemplated going across the road to the shop and I struggled. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to go round and round in Erid room for, I don't know, hours, I think you've got to have your heads tested, to be honest with you. <laughs> I,
0: what, what was your strategy, phrase? Um, was, it to, was it to pace yourself or was that, was that hard?
2: I'll be honest early on it was Ben to to try and keep within 40 to 45 minutes Um, but to be honest it was very difficult to go quicker than that anyway it was treacherous straight away so and to be honest I, I had a very vague strategy Ben to get to to five laps to go above 20. Then there was the carrot of going above a marathon distance. I don't think you actually classed it as uncompleted an ultra unless you go over the 26.2. Yes. And then it was, as I was beginning to, to really struggle, there was the carrot there of going over 30. Um, so once I got to 30, I think it was 33.6. 40 looked a long way away. <laughs> yeah, my legs were buckling. But no, it was interesting when you you talk to maybe the more experienced ultra runners that they did have very set strategies. I was speaking to Sana at one point, you know, and, and she was had a very set Time and, and pace she was going at, and if she slowed down, she'd feel like she was seizing up. She mm. didn't want to risk that, you know. And, and I have to say, I'm looking again. The men Henry, his slowest lap was 47 minutes, so we still had 13 minutes to spare. But you know, it was a rude awakening in a lot of ways. Just just stopping sometimes for two or three minutes in between was seizing yeah. up, and then it was a <laughs> an embarrassing moment. I, I, won't go, I shouldn't maybe say this on air too much detail, but I oh. walked over to the porta before the last lap. Oh, oh! And, um, no, no, I I, I couldn't open the door to, to go in so i managed to get around the back into a private area and go there but i i literally couldn't function enough to open the door before i went for the last lap so um yeah it it, it was a difficult a difficult
0: day we'll say I wonder where that story was going no, from. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know round um, but... and
3: round the portal. <laughs>
0: <Yeah. laughs> exactly. Well, congratulations, Fraser. That was an absolutely brilliant effort. And I think we agreed last week, and, and Gordon was the witness, that we'd probably do the Dale at half or 10K next year. I quite like the I, sound I of this I don't think one. it
3: was probably. It's a definite, you said. here, pair <laughs> you are going head to head. That's what you said last After week. That, and the... I'm holding you to it.
0: I quite like the sound of this one, actually, this uh, yeah, Backyard Ultra. I, I, do, I could see it being quite addictive, but brilliant effort. Excellent uh, going from everyone that took part in that. Um, Gordon, did you watch any of the London Marathon yesterday? I saw a
3: little bit of it. It's brilliant, isn't it? Let's be honest, all those people running those miles for all those various charities. is fantastic. It's something that's never ever gripped me to do, though, is a marathon. I'm more than happy to do a 5k, 10k would be about my tops, and I'd probably walk that.
0: I mean, we yeah, should... well, I, it's, it's so tricky, It really. So I did the virtual yeah. ma- London Marathon. I have to say, um, I think it's a great addition for London Marathon organisers to put a mm. virtual event on where, like, 40,000 people all over the world are also yeah. involved with the London Marathon. I think that's a brilliant thing. But you are right, and, and I was delighted to finish yesterday because it, it was hard mentally, and it's so It's just completely different. The idea you can run a half marathon and double your time. For me, I can't do that. And some people can, I just can't. And, And you need to focus, you need to be in the zone, it, it's not my favourite distance, it's just a mental endurance challenge that you, you get through and you feel amazing when you get to the end but c- completely different um, but well done to everyone because I think Pembrokeshire was well represented as well yesterday.
2: I should give cue to you there Ben as well being modest there eh? you personal best yesterday I believe wasn't it with <laughs> was, was 3 out 25 so well done for that a fantastic effort but I'm actually interested here. it your point of view now, because virtual events have become more and more common, mm. haven't they, since lockdown, it even more practical during lockdown, and, and there's still an element there now. And I think it was only last year this virtual element came into the London Marathon. Does it still feel the same for you? Is it the same that you have a personal best yesterday? Does it feel the same as if you clocked it in a race, in race conditions, if that makes does that well, make sense to you?
0: You know, actually, I, I thought about this quite a bit beforehand and and I always felt this was going to be more of a mental challenge than actually doing an event because you don't have the crowds and the big one, you mm. don't have the closed roads either. So you have to be aware of, of cars and, and all sorts going on around you. I actually think when I finished yesterday and look back on it now, I'm probably more proud of that time I did yesterday than the one i did in manchester when i actually ran a proper event because the the challenge of actually getting up and motivating yourself to do it and spending three hours 25 running 26 miles on your own just you and your watch for company i, I think is is quite some thing um so i'm probably ju- equally as proud to, to get that but i think it is it's difficult to do those virtual events it really is
2: do you think it's something that's here to stay in London Marathon and other events as well, the virtual option?
0: Well, well, I think the London Marathon has become so difficult to get in mm. now. that So many people ballot for it every year. Uh, the charity places are brilliant, um, but they also take some commitment because you have to raise yeah. a couple of thousand for most of them. So I think probably virtual races are actually making these events a bit more accessible. And I, I actually feel that I, I was part of something yesterday, even though I wasn't in London. And I, I think that's a good thing. And I think you'll see more people do it. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, the, the only final thing I'd say, the, you see the variant in times as well. So you see some people who... who... Who walked it and did it in six, seven, eight hours, yeah, or split sure. it across the weekend? I think that's a great message to get people out and actually taking part in these things and engaging.
2: I know you're 24 hours, didn't you, to complete the virtual mm. one? You could do it in a unlimited number of runs, if that's right. If yeah. I, so you, that is something that maybe does engage anyone. People who are worried about doing it all in one go, you know, there, there is scope there, isn't it, for anyone to do it, even if it is walked over over the course of a day. So yeah, I think,
3: I think, I think the message there is for everybody to get the couch potatoes off the settees and actually yeah. walk it. You know what I mean? It's important. Yeah that exercise is the key word not actually running it all the time you know what I mean it's important just to get out socialize and walk why not walk it
0: yeah that's an absolutely brilliant message because I, no, I can't run it that's <laughs> you surprise yourself Gordon? I think <laughs> yeah. uh, they, 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 that's, <laughs> that's I'm not really going to
3: even contemplate it <laughs> I, would, I, I I would walk it but I would never run it
0: Well, listen, if you took part in the London Marathon yesterday and you're listening right now, because we're not on Facebook this evening, so if you're listening on your smart speaker or you're listening online, do let us know. You can drop us an email, studio at purewestradio.com, and we'll mention you before nine. Uh, You can also text treble seven. start your message with PWR, and your text is charged at your standard network rates. If you took part yesterday, get in touch with us, and we will mention you before nine o'clock. Right, let's just turn our attention to some else that started today that we featured in the first hour. The indoor cricket season is is underway in Pembrokeshire. Seems to have come round so quickly and it signals the autumn and Gordon, the good thing about this is it, it, it can rain as much as it likes and they can still play in Leyland.
3: Well, exactly. I mean, we usually wait till after Christmas for this uh, to come around, but uh, Nayland now they've built their own complex. They want to bring it forward earlier, which, that's fine. Uh, but I, I can't believe we always used to joke once August was over, the boys put away their whites and you wouldn't see them again, like Fraser Watson. you wouldn't pick them out until the first week in, uh, the, the last week in April, Mine's beginning of May.
0: the deity yeah. from the last and day. They, yeah, uh, he would, I mean, yeah. he'd get them out right on the day of the yeah. early. <laughs> Openly end the season. Go, come on, he wouldn't but, netting, you
3: wouldn't be betting. know, really. all jokes aside, <laughs> Neyland are the uh, you know they're the best side in the county at indoor cricket, yep. and further afield, they're the Welsh champions as well. And hopefully. they they would have had a good effort at going to Lords that uh, COVID not intervened. So um, they take their cricket very seriously there. Um, Fraser, how many teams have we got involved in the competition uh, this time around? Well,
2: that is, we've actually got a league this year, haven't we? It's become a bit fast on the last few years and that you only had two or three teams for at some point and some of them were two or three nayland sides Mm, as well. But no, this new Nayland centre and the introduction of a B league has attracted some teams to it. So I think we've got six going in the A league and, and five in the B, so oh, uh, they they then. have reeled in some teams. Um, yeah. So it will be, I think, um, in the A League, everyone will play nine game, nine or ten games in the B. For it was predominantly
3: eight, so. played on Sundays, but obviously. Are they moving the games to Monday? Monday
2: night is going to be the most popular. Night. There will be some Sundays as well.
0: Yeah. So oh, anyway. excellent. And Fraser, you've been at the hub, haven't you? This evening, yeah. watching the opening game. Who was in action first Nail, up?
2: Nayland Pembroke Dock, and almost at uh, reaffirm Gordon's point, there you go in Nayland, and you see they've got no Brad McDermott Jenkins available tonight, no Patrick Bellaby, no Ashley Sutton no Nathan Banner. Four major players there, and they go and knock hundred and thirty-five, even ten overs against Pembroke <laughs> yeah, Dock. So Just so well versed in terms of placing. The ball they didn't waste a single ball Pembroke you know. Dock had lost an early wicket in their reply and, and as we arrived in you know, Inn we're heading for Win there just waiting for confirmation of the uh, of the final score in on that one and then my boys Clan we're up against Narvith next so that'll be a tough start for them but they'll, they'll Learn some skills and get some indoor nets in, and save our club often to pay for them to go to nets in the in the winter as well. So, <laughs>
0: oh, but it, when you do get details, Fraser, do let us know Will who you've got the runs and wickets because uh, there is the small matter of the indoor cricket fantasy yes. cricket league. Yeah. I got a team done. Gord, Did you enter?
3: No, I didn't enter. Okay, any of that rubbish.
0: <laughs> that that's fine. Fraser did, so you can <laughs> you can be the independent person to to give views on our teams uh, and and see who you think has got the best team. Um, okay, Fraser, do you want do you want me to go first?
2: Yes, because I'm going to have to remind myself because the, okay. the the Nayland team announcement scuppered me. I had to change it, it did. quite
0: frantically late on today. So, so. W- what Fraser's referencing there, Corden, is that around about or oh, about four o'clock they they actually published the teams okay uh, for the game. Yeah. So, uh, and there was quite a few changes in the Nayland side. So I had to make some changes. I had Patrick Bellaby as my captain, um, and I've taken him out. I do take fantasy football seriously, and I'm doing the same with fantasy (laughs) cricket. So this is my team, Um, Gordon. I've gone with uh, one batsman, three bowlers, a wicketkeeper, and an all rounder for the opening week. All right. Are you going to name them? Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you now. So as captain, my one batsman today is Greg Miller.
3: Yeah.
0: From Nayland A. Started Uh, well. Three bowlers, uh, Patrick Hannon, Nayland A, Jack John, Nayland A, and Ewan Mcdonald from Pembroke Dock A. okay, happy, happy. Uh, my all rounder from Nayland's seaside is Sam Larn. and my wicket keeper. So I think they're a new side in the league this year, Pembrokeshire Veterans, that's right, yeah, yeah. they are new ben. i've I've gone with Neil Williams.
2: Ooh, reliable, reliable keeper. Here, yeah. yeah. I I've not too dissimilar. I've gone with Greg Miller. You'll be pleased to know a good start tonight. James George from Fishguard could be a dark horse there in the B League. Ewan McDonald who did us both well by um, bowling a fourteen ball over in his first um, first <laughs> over tonight. So, <laughs> so
4: sorry,
2: sorry, Ewan. I may be transferring next week. I've gone. What? I've stuck to my local boys, Nigel and Ewan from Merstham, uh, and Nick Cooman, the all rounder who played very well tonight actually. Um, and as we speak, we just had that first score in. Nailen 135 for five. Pembroke Dock reached 70 for six in
0: nine overs. So Nayland off to a winning start as expected. Thoughts, Gordon? Fairly even, those two sides, then, I'd say.
3: Yeah, yeah. I would say the phrase has just edged it slightly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just to upset you. A bit like his batting. Is that right? Yeah. There's,
3: the- <laughs> edged it. Very good, Ben. <laughs>
0: Yeah, is- <laughs> I should. Ju- I should just say, um, there there was a way to if you wanted to bolster your batting or your bowling um, by picking a cheaper player from from down the list. If you wanted to boost it, there was at two point five million available. A certain F Watson hmm. from Sam Ryan. I, I just looking at the stats. He's been picked by 0% of people in the game so far.
2: I know. I mean, let's okay. just, just, just look at that comparison there, Ben. Obviously, this year, one and Alan Brown, one Division three. He played a bit for the as two, so that's technically a treble. A bit of
3: a fight back yeah. with Mr. Watson, Te- wasn't well,
2: it, mate? Technically, three trophies. <laughs> I remember back to say, s- someone of a similar ilk in sport, Cristiano Ronaldo, when he left Man United I after the treble. I can't
3: see anything a- in your trophy cabinet behind
2: you, Ben. 85 million. So, you know, Patrick, yeah. Patrick <laughs> Hannan's sick sense of humour there. He, so, he, showed, he can show me his prices. I'll show you me my medals. All right?
0: <laughs> just for comparison, Gordon, just so you know, uh phrase at two million. Um, uh, my highest, most expensive player this evening... Is Patrick Hannon at seven point five and Greg Miller at seven? Uh, Bellaby would have set you back eight point five million, I think, wouldn't he? Right, okay. yeah, well, yeah he yeah. probably would. Could Fraser be an enabler later in the season <laughs> when yeah, he when know. he gets his back? I don't know. I don't know. Well, we'll keep a very close eye on that. We'll, we'll do a bit more cricket before we finish because there's a big decision for, uh, to, to mm. face I the didn't England players. The
3: prices are <laughs> so high in fantasy cricket, so that's why it's fantasy. Well, I would have they said no somebody. more than seven pound fifty, <laughs> or you know, when you're going <laughs> seven hundred and fifty. Million, what's going on here? Some are higher than
0: others, Gordon. Let's put it that way. Yeah, for Um,
3: obvious reasons. (laughs) Watson's got the
0: medals in the cabinet. I'll bring it in. He's got 34 (laughs) miles in his leg, so he would have been a hard word today. We'll take a moment. We'll do a bit more cricket in a sec because I I want to talk about the ashes and whether it's going to go ahead. Uh, Also, the return of a a Whitland legend is imminent and some big words from Jasmine Joyce. I don't say Fraser's coming back again. not not quite
2: as big but nearly there
0: and we're going to talk to bobby brown before nine as well right here uh, for a monday evening on pure west Sports.
5: how are you bob good thanks chris is it true what i heard yeah we're officially the best butchers in wales that's amazing chris massive congratulations to you and the team oh thanks bob
6: Give us a call on 01437 763387.
7: Seven Spice! with the staff are oh so nice. You'll love our jalfrezi and special rice. What's even better is our price. This will have you coming back not once, but twice. <laughs>
4: time.
0: Pure West Radio for a Monday evening and it's Pure West Sport with Pembrokeshire Properties. Really good to be with you, uh, with Gordon and Fraser as well in the studio in Haverford West, we're usually live on the Pure West Radio Facebook page at this point, however uh, Facebook having all sorts of problems this evening so we're recording the video and we'll be posting it live on the Facebook page a bit later so you're probably listening to us right now on the website or on your smart speaker and you are very very welcome and we're going to go straight to our special guest on the show this evening who has got a really, really good story to tell as a former uh, striker with a number of clubs including Cardiff City, Northampton, Fulham and Barnet and having played football for Team GB in the Olympics in 1960 now calls Pembrokeshire his home and has done for quite some time. uh, It's Bobby Brown who is with us. Bobby, good evening. How are you? I'm fine. Good evening to you. Alison, uh, it's really nice to have your company um, this evening and um, we've got plenty we want to talk to you about from your uh, goal scoring in the, the 1960 Olympic Games. But we, we should probably start. What, what brought you to Pembrokeshire? You've been here for quite some time now, haven't you? I have been, yeah. Well, um,
9: I moved to Cardiff uh, to play for them in the in mid-60s and uh, then the journey took me away uh, and I went to Hull. And then with the circumstances of the, losing the job at Tull, um, we had we decided we'd like to come back to Wales. I have Welsh connections, which is uh, something which not many people know. And I think on a, this sort of evening, it, it's good to talk about them because um, my mother was one of 13 children from a mining family in Pontypryth. My grandfather was a, a miner at the Albion Colliery in Kilverness, and um you know, I've grown up with a, a, a very much a Welsh family. They all moved out from Wales in the problem times, but uh, they've been a close family and uh, Wales means something to me. So when I was lost my job with Cardiff um, because of my injury, uh, I did other things, but eventually got a job uh, with uh, the Welsh FA, where I was covering West Wales uh, in a coaching capacity from school level and local leagues, and whatever, and just developing soccer in Wales. Um, when I left and went to Hull and things turned around up there, we decided we'd like to come back to Wales and particularly Pembrokeshire,
0: where we'd made a lot of friends. I know Gordon and Fraser have got plenty that they, they want to ask you as well. So I'll yeah. I'll just ask you one more uh, for but, you now, Bobby. Your, your career—you uh, you mentioned playing for Cardiff, and I said Northampton, Watford, Fulham, and Barnet, and, and your yeah. goal-scoring record: 124 goals you scored uh, throughout your career. What, what was the what was the highlight for you, and, and who did you most enjoy playing for out of those teams?
9: Very difficult, all different times really. But uh, Northampton, um, when I went there, we—they're only a small town and uh, they they went from the fourth division at the time up to the premier division i was there and was top scorer for a couple of years and Got um,
0: Got into the to upset you <laughs> a, a bit. Like his batting is that right? Yeah. <laughs> there's edge
3: very good there. Very good. <laughs>
0: there is... I, I should. I should just say um, there. There was a way to if you wanted to bolster your batting or your bowling um, by picking a cheaper player from from down the list. If you wanted to boost it, there was at two point five million available. A certain F Watson hmm. from Sam Ryan. I, I just looking at the stats. He's been picked by 0% of people in the game so far.
2: I know, I mean, let's okay. just, just, just look at that comparison there, Ben. Obviously, this year won an Alan Brown, won Division 3. He played a bit for the as two, so that's technically a treble. A bit of a
3: fight back yeah. with Mr. Watson, Te- was
2: well, mate? Technically, three trophies. I remember back to say, s- someone of a similar ilk in sport, Cristiano Ronaldo, when he left Man United after I the treble. I can't
3: see anything a- in your trophy cabinet behind
2: you, Ben. 85 million. So, you know, Patrick, yeah. Patrick <laughs> Hannan, sick sense of humour there. He, he, showed, he can show me his prices, I'll show you me my medals. All right?
0: <laughs> just for comparison, Gordon, just so you know, Fraser, uh, at two million. Um, uh, my highest, most expensive player this evening... Is Patrick Hannon at seven point five and Greg Miller at seven? Uh, Bellaby would have set you back eight point five million, I think, wouldn't he? Right, okay. yeah, uh, yeah he yeah. probably worked. Could, could Fraser be an enabler later in the season <laughs> when I he when know. he gets his back? I don't know. I don't know. Well, we'll keep a very close eye on that. We'll, we'll do a bit more cricket before we finish because there's a big decision for, uh, to, to mm. face I the didn't England players. The
3: prices are so high in fantasy cricket, so that's why it's fantasy. <laughs> well, I would have they said are for no 70- more than seven pound fifty, <laughs> or you know, when you going <laughs> seven hundred and fifty. Million, what's going on here? Some are
0: higher than others, Gordon. Let's put it that way.
3: Yeah, for um, obvious reasons. <laughs> Watson's got the medals in the cabinet. <laughs>
0: I'll bring him and he's next got week. 30, <laughs> 34 <laughs> miles in his leg, so he <laughs> would have been hard words today. Um, we'll take a moment. We'll do a bit more cricket in a sec because I, I want to talk about the ashes and whether yeah, it's going to sure. go ahead. Uh, also, the return of a, a Whitland legend is imminent, and some big words from Jasmine Joyce. Oh, just as don't say Fraser's well. coming back again. <laughs> not not quite
2: as big but nearly there
0: and we're going to talk to bobby brown before nine as well right here uh, for a monday evening on pure west sport
5: how are you bob good thanks chris is it true what i heard yeah we're officially the best butchers in wales that's amazing chris massive congratulations to you and the team oh thanks bob
7: Seven spice! With a staff, oh, so nice! You'll love our Jalfreji and special rice. What's even better is our price. This will have you coming back not once, but twice.
4: ¡Ah!
0: Pure West Radio for a Monday evening, and it's Pure West Sport with Pembrokeshire Properties. Really good to be with you, uh, with Gordon and Fraser as well in the studio in Haverford West, we're usually live on the Pure West Radio Facebook page at this point, however, uh, Facebook having all sorts of problems this evening, so we're recording the video and we'll be posting it live on the Facebook page a bit later, so you're probably listening to us right now on the website or on your smart speaker and you are very, very welcome. And we're going to Go straight to our special guest on the show this evening, who has got a really, really good story to tell. As a former uh, striker with a number of clubs, including Cardiff City, Northampton, Fulham and Barnet, and having played football for Team GB in the Olympics in 1960, now calls Pembrokeshire his home and has done for quite some time, uh, it's Bobby Brown who is with us. Bobby, good evening. How are you? I'm fine. Good evening to you. Uh, listen, it's really nice to have your company um, this evening and um, we've got plenty we want to talk to you about from your uh, goal scoring in the the 1960 Olympic Games. But we, we should probably start. What, what brought you to Pembrokeshire? You've been here for quite some time now, haven't you? I have been, yeah. Well,
9: um, I moved to Cardiff uh, to play for them in the in mid-60s and uh, then the journey took me away uh, and I went to Hull. And then with the circumstances of the, losing the job at Tull, um, we had we decided we'd like to come back to Wales. I have Welsh connections, which is uh, something which not many people know. And I think on a, this sort of evening, it, it's good to talk about them because um, my mother was one of 13 children from a mining family in Pontypryth. My grandfather was a, a miner at the Albion Colliery in Kilvanis, and... Um, you know, I've grown up with a, a, a very much a Welsh family. They all moved out from Wales in the problem times, but uh, they've been a close family and uh, Wales means something to me. So when I was lost my job with Cardiff um, because of my injury, uh, I did other things, but eventually got a job uh, with uh, the Welsh FA, where I was covering West Wales uh, in a coaching capacity from school level and local leagues, and whatever, and just developing soccer in Wales. Um, when I left and went to Hull and things turned around up there, we decided we'd like to come back to Wales and particularly
0: Pembrokeshire, where we'd made a lot of friends. I know Gordon and Fraser have got plenty that they, they want to ask you as well. So I'll, yeah. I'll just ask you one more uh, for but, you now, Bobby. Your, your career, uh, you, you mentioned playing for Cardiff and I said Northampton, Watford, Fulham and barnet and, and your yeah. goal scoring record, 124 goals you scored uh, throughout your career. What, what, was the, what was the highlight for you and, and who did you most enjoy playing for out of those teams?
9: Very difficult, all different times really. But uh, Northampton, um, when I went there, we they were only a small town. And they, they went from the fourth division at the time up to the premier division. I was there and was top scorer for a couple of years and got, on, got into the premier division. And that, that was fantastic. Um, there again, injuries set me back a little bit for the second half of the season. But um, I think that and also Cardiff City was very good to me. I came to Cardiff and they were struggling, and I was I was leaving at a club which had started to fall, and um, Cardiff turned the season round and, and managed to avoid relegation. And the next year we being a much improved side. And then I had a rather terrible accident in a game at Aston Villa against Aston Villa in 1967 Boxing Day, wow. which finished my career.
0: Mm-hmm. Gordon.
3: <clears throat> Hi Bobby, uh, good to see you again, um, the last time I saw you was probably in your pub when you served me a pint <laughs> and then I found out what what a great footballer you were and it's great to have you on the show tonight, it's a, a yeah, real can pri- I, sorry?
9: Can I come in on that, you know I don't, I've never re- regarded myself as a, as a, a great footballer, um, my friends down here have been here since 1983. I have a lot of good friends, and I don't suppose many of them could tell you the clubs that I played for. I don't really go around that. I, my 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 um, proudest moment is probably that during my career I was on the pitch with absolutely top players, with, such as the Bests and the Charltons, and you know just so yeah. many of them to, to play against. And I, I unfortunately, perhaps because of injuries, I didn't ever reach the. The hopes of myself and my family, and I think my injuries may have had a little bit to do with that. But um, yeah, thank you very much for saying it. But I, I, I've never classed myself as a really yeah well. You've, you've,
3: what you have just said, you've played against and with some elite players. So for people around Pembrokeshire, great is a good <laughs> word for yourself. Definitely. Uh, You've You've played with a lot of good company that people could only dream about in Pembrokeshire. Exactly. Um, Exactly. You said you played for Northampton. I I hope you didn't play against Best on that dreaded day in the FA Cup uh, when he came back from suspension and scored (laughs) six goals against Northampton, if I recollect.
9: No, I'd left my leaving card by then. I'd already gone from that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought I could see it on the wall. No, the game um, when when we got to the Premier Division, our first three fixtures were one away at Everton, the next was home to um, Manchester United, and then home to Arsenal, and uh, the other way round. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, those three they were quite daunting, and uh, we drew with Manchester United and. Um, you know, so I, I didn't ever see him take us apart, but he certainly did in that other game. <laughs>
3: that, that's good. Also, Bobby, you, you, when you started out as a youngster, did you start off non-league with Barnett? Was, was that how you started and how, yeah, did you, were- how did you get picked up to go to a professional club?
9: Well, it's all—it's all, it's all in, 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 obviously, all in my book. But what happened was, my—I was brought up in with my save my mother's side, the family very Welsh. I was brought up in South London, Streatham, Brixton, and um, my father uh, was was from North London, and he had been a, a Barnet supporter since his school days. Mm. So we, I always went to football from the age of when we moved back to London after the war. I I went with him to football from the age of about six or seven. And um, when I then got left school and was playing for my side, they were an old grammarians who ran eight football teams on a Saturday for a fantastic club after school. And uh, I was invited while I was at school to play in their first team. And I managed to score some goals. And when I left school, I joined them. And I was consistently scoring goals for the Old Grammarians in their league and in their first team. And one day my dad said to me, You're, you know, shall I ask Barnett for a trial? So when he asked them, he knew someone there, he asked them about trial and I went to a meeting. They couldn't understand why a boy from South London who was taking <laughs> 27 stops on the tube to get there would be going to Barnet when there were local clubs like Dulwich and um, uh, Sutton, Wimbledon. Dulwich Hamlet was one of the big clubs then, and there were so many clubs near where I was living. So it was only when I explained to them that I'd supported them for several years myself that they they took me in. And uh, within a a year, I was playing at Wembley in the Amateur Cup final and scoring goals. So it just took off. It just literally is unbelievable how how quickly it happened.
3: Brilliant.
2: Um, Bobby, great phrase here. Great to have you on the show. Big Swansea supporter, but I will forgive you the two years at Cardiff on the CV as well. But um,
9: can um, I just say, I, I always scored against Swansea. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Most
0: people have uh.
2: Yeah, yeah. You're not unique in that respect. Um, but now, touching on on your national international career, actually played 14 times, I think, for England amateur, if I'm right, and at a successful Olympic Games, scoring goals there for Great Britain in 1960. Now the um, GB team in the olympic in terms of football is actually quite a divisive topic in the last few years i know in 2012 london they got it going they haven't managed to put it together there's a lot of politics involved now at that time how much of an honor was it to be involved in that team and, and to play in the olympic games
9: Oh, just uh, the build-up to it. I mean, being picked just to play first for for England was out the blue. Read the name in the paper that you're in the in the tour, and then going on to the development of the squad that they were going to to go to with Rome was, you know, just unbelievable. I mean, uh, and the 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 thing about it was that we had just lost five one in a warm-up game for the Olympics in Italy to Italy, and. Everybody was waiting for the draw to come out for your groups. And the first team that came out with us was Italy. So they are just beaten us 5 1. And then the other next team was Brazil, which couldn't have been with top players from Brazil who went on to become really famous. Wow. And then um, and we had China at the end. So, you know, we played um, Brazil in our first game and uh, we went 1 0 down after the first few minutes, but then got back to. I managed to uh, get on the score sheet again and scored, and we were leading. I think two one, and just at the beginning of the second half, when a fullback had a really terrible injury, broke his leg with a really bad tackle. But wow. he, the guy wasn't sent off, and there were no substitutes. So, after leading two one, we went down, four four one down. We went four two down, and then we got a goal in the end. We lost four three. So. Um, and then we played China. So I was happy. I scored five goals in three games and it put me on the map um, sure. and even attracted AC Milan. So, <laughs> it was, you
2: know, oh,
0: it, we were going to ask you about yeah. yeah, it. Don't that, want to I mean,
2: spoil too many chapters of your book, but we do
9: need yeah, to touch on this, yeah, Bobby. Yeah.
0: yeah. How, how close were you to signing for AC Milan?
9: Um, well, the, the punchline is in the book, but, but really <laughs> close, really close. It was something um, happened Out of the blue, not with me, Um, I got a lot of advice from um, one or two of the top professionals. I was at Fulham as an amateur. I mean, not many people were playing then. I I had a few first-team games and even scored two goals in a 4-4 draw against Man United when I was young. But I developed friendships with some of the players like uh, Jimmy Hill, uh, Roy Bentley, Jim Langley. George Cohen, they were top players. Wow. And when I had this approach, I, I went to them to ask, what do I do? And they gave me some advice. As I was an amateur, there'd be no fee for the club. And they told me what to ask for, which I did. And the guy even upped my, what I said. He said, ask for more. So, um, And then I was planning to go. They arranged me to go out to play in a game for their directors to see and possibly be... Um, sent to a, a minor club which was connected to them and it was the same time as jimmy greaves was going and uh I, but I, it clashed with a tour around the world which i went on which included people like bobby moore to do wow. a six weeks tour so and when i came back the whole situation not through any fault of anybody's altered and uh, it fell apart
0: unfortunately well, listen. There's plenty to read in the book where the sounds of it, and We'll get some more details on that in, in just a second. Just, just wondering, Bobby, what's your what's your feeling now with, with with the modern game? Do you do you still feel connected to it, and, and do you still enjoy watching football?
9: Yeah, I think living where I am, I think one of the you know one of the things I, I'm not happy about living here. I mean, I'm very very happy, but I, I think the football connection, I've lost a lot of of it. Right? You know, if I was living in Cardiff again, I would. Have more contact with football community, um, and not, not many. As I say, not many of my friends really probably could tell you much about my football career. I, I ran a, I ran an inn and in a restaurant, and uh, in the in the distant past, I played football. So, mm. you know, um, it, it's it's very difficult. It's very, it was just very difficult at that time to to come to terms with it all really. And What did I like? Did you say? Yeah, who, who, who did what who you do, follow? Do you, do you have a favourite team now? Well, I have. Do have favourite teams? But I think football now has altered so much. I mean, it's not the game that I played. I mean, you only have to look at the boots. You have to look at the ball. You have to look at the pitches, the conditions you play in. I mean, uh, to play oh, you forgot on the
3: wages, poppy <laughs> Well, yeah. yeah well,
9: that that, that, that that would have helped a great yeah. deal. <laughs> Yeah, but everything has altered so much that it is isn't quite the same game. I mean, even technically, when you strike a ball, you know, to bend it like they do today, you could bend it a bit in the old days, but it wasn't. It just wasn't the
0: same. So, I'm, you know, it's. I still enjoy it. I get the buzz from it. Well, listen. You, good luck with your book. Tell tell us what it's called, Bobby, and where where can people get themselves a copy? Because it sounds like there's plenty in there that that we need to read more about. Yeah. Well, the the book
9: itself. Um, you know, I think the most important thing is really is for is for people to understand my background. You know, yes, I was a, a footballer, but the book isn't all about football. You know, I I'm, I feel that uh, people here think see me as Bobby Brown. It's a English name. I've got a lot of Welsh in me. My Hopkins side of the family comes out, um, and uh, I, I just. You know, I, I'm just more concerned with people knowing that I'm not just a footballer. Mm. And uh, i delighted in those days, but that, that that's not the whole story in the book. There's lots of ups and downs, and like most people, my life hasn't been nice and steady. Um, there have been some really pitfalls in it, which affected my family, and we've had to come through them. And at the end, I came to Pembrokeshire, Took a big gamble. I thought, think I must have been mad to take on the, the thing we did, but it, we were anxious to get back here. And um, we, we at the end, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. Everything has gone very well. All he can do is score goals. The Life and Times yeah. of Bobby Brown. I can tell you that that was that <laughs> is a, a, this, the title comes from something which was shouted out at the game when I didn't or we didn't have a particularly good match. And I didn't have a particularly good match. But at the last few minutes of the game I scored rather a uh, uh, you know, what I thought was a very good goal, and someone shouted it from the crowd. All he can do is <laughs> score a goal.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah. So that that's why that's where the name of the book comes from. And locally, is it gonna be on sale in is it Victoria Bookshop, Bobby? And having in Victoria Bookshop, I think yeah. on the twenty
9: about the twenty seventh, twenty sixth or twenty seventh of um November, I think. Um Marnie from there has organised the signing session. I'm just amazed. Can I just say that the book initially started because somebody came to speak to me about his book he was writing, <laughs> A Dick <Boy> Pick <laughs> Burnell. And, and we went into all detail because of things that I knew when I went with, with the Welsh FA and worked under Mike Smith, who was the manager. And I learned so much from Mike Smith of of organizing things that it, it would that he, he was fantastic but nick came down and when we spoke for about an hour finding out things that i knew about the international period in 1970s he just said to me crikey why don't you put this down for your family <laughs> <laughs> don't think your grandchildren would like it didn't did you know anything about your great-grandfather and all these things and he said i'll help you and so about three weeks later i just picked up a pen and started writing And I was amazed at what I can remember. So the book really was for to be left for family, but it's just developed through the help of this Nick Burnell, and uh, has got to where we are. I'm just astonished that it's
0: taken off so well. Um, Listen, thank you for telling us about it and, and do let us know when that, that's confirmed, when, when you're going to be doing that signing, because we will definitely give that a mention and, and I'll, I'll be wanting to read a copy of that as well. Really give good. you you giving us a real taster. Bobby, thank you ever so much for your time. Thank, thank you for you, joining Bobby. us this thank evening on the yeah. show. I've yeah. talking to you. I hope it's been acceptable
10: to brilliant. you.
3: Oh, you're brilliant. You're a gentleman, uh, Bobby. It's great to hear your tales. Uh, you're so modest. It's unbelievable. Yeah.
9: Well... You know, the only thing that set me back was my injury and uh, not many people suffered the injury that I had. My knee came out the joint in the game Mm. and uh, I'm afraid they didn't repair cruciate ligaments in
0: those days. No, no. Bobby thank you ever so much for your time we will have to leave it there we've still got a bit more to come on the show this evening though it is Monday evening and this is Pure West Sport
10: Tenby Blues Festival returns on November the 12th to the 14th featuring American Mike Farris Australian Georgia Van Etten and lots and lots of homegrown talent including Errol Linton Kyla Brox the Kennelly Brothers the Daybreakers and many many more For full information and to get your tickets, visit tenbyblues.co.uk. Get your mojo working at Tenby Blues Festival. How are you, Bob? Good, thanks, Chris. Is it true what I heard?
5: Yeah, we're officially the best butchers in Wales.
6: delivery service. Give us a call on 01437 763387.
8: Get more for your money at OC Davis Roundabout Garage Nayland, the MG dealer for Pembrokeshire. Adventure awaits with 0% APR across the MG range, including the MGHS, the new MGZS, and MG3. Feel the power of electric motoring with zero advance payment on the mobility scheme. And as a thank you to our key workers, you can enjoy a contribution of up to £8,500. Don't forget, all new UMGs come with a seven-year warranty as standard. For more information, go online to www.ocdavis.com
0: or call 01646 600 Well, a very good evening and welcome back. If you're listening right now, you haven't got much choice, actually. You're either listening on your smart speaker or on the Pure West Radio website. Uh, If you're watching on Facebook, this is uh, going back a couple of days and we've uploaded the video. It is being recorded, so uh, the video will be live. But brilliant to talk to Bobby Brown. What a nice chap and some great stories as well. And just very casually mentioning some of the greatest footballers that have ever played. Bobby (laughs) Moore, George Best.
3: Yeah I mean phenomenal. a person of his uh, caliber it's just so great to hear isn't it you know what i mean he's so modest uh, mm. he's you know and he didn't re- he was so he didn't want to talk about his footballing days that much really he, no. a bit, he seemed a little bit embarrassed to talk about it you know but yeah. he he has been in some superb company brilliant footballers that he played with and against and an amateur for great britain playing in the olympics uh. and he, he don't call me great you're great, Bobby, you're great.
0: <laughs> and it had the... What was the name of the pub in Palkham, Gordon? It
3: was the Rising
0: Sun. Rising Sun. Yeah, I remember they, I going remember. there. I remember this for a couple of reasons. One, one I think Bill paid actually. I went with Bill for dinner, and he did a brilliant half and half chicken curry, chips and rice. And yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah, you are
0: right. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Just a read it? the paper that you've been picked for England, you know that's how they oh, yeah, found out. Yeah, they it did just did takes you ago. back. To yeah, <laughs> it
0: yeah. And, and the thing is, he he will always be an Olympian as well. Yeah, which is absolutely. something that you can't take away with with a great uh, and record. He as well. is
3: right. When he worked in the Rising Sun. Nobody knew no, no, that he was a no. top class footballer you know who who played amateur and professional football nobody knew it came out like years later mm. you yeah. are you played where you are
0: yeah, and that's a, that's a mark of him, really, isn't it? It's yeah. great, great to hear from him, and we will uh, let you know when his book signing will be because I think that's well worth a read. Uh, right, still plenty more to cover. Fraser, Flam Ryan have made a really good start in the indoor cricket, haven't they?
2: They have, been even without the uh, treble-winning £2.5 million man. They... <laughs> i uh, just read out the score here. Narbeth, hun- 109 for three. have reached that 110 for two. John Strawbridge, Nigel Delaney and Yuan James all reaching 25 and retiring. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it means I can stay on the studio on Monday nights for a couple of weeks more, yeah.
0: And I had Yuan in my fantasy team and took him out right at the last minute. Yeah. So Neil Williams of Pembroke, uh, Pembrokeshire Veterans needs to have a good knock to yeah. uh, so As well done Slam Ryan one more game to come this evening
2: yeah there is I think we've got the B league starting off aren't we Pembroke dot B against Nathan C I believe um, yeah. and two teams actually who picked young sides development sides that would be, be a good watch
0: in fact, it's ten to nine, so they probably will be underway in that they third final be, game. Yeah. And that was an eight thirty start, wasn't it? So, yeah, a busy night down at the Nayland Hub. Right, a few things just to, to rattle through to finish the show. Actually, uh, we spoke actually about Mike Phillips last week on the program, and and, and just after we finished, we, we had the news that. Well, the headline was Whitland legend to make a return. And Gordon, first thing I thought was Fraser's putting his boots back on. But no, it's Mike Phillips, isn't it? He's going to be turning out for Whitland on the 23rd of October. And this is this is big news, isn't it?
2: Yes, it is. I mean it's you know, Mike Phillips straight away he's boasting about build a new stand, you know, that's the character he is, but we joke about it, it will put a lot of people on the gate, won't it? Just to see him come on, whether he starts or he's as a substitute. Funny enough we spoke to Gareth Bennett, didn't we, Whitland show, in, in the first hour of the sh- in the first hour of the show. He said, Oh, I'll make him train, he might have to come off the bench. <laughs> Mike ain't coming if he's not gonna be centre stage. We all know that. So yeah. now look, just something like that. It is his hometown club, it's nice for him to, to play a game for them. Shane Williams did the same, didn't he, back at Amazon? And it will put bums and seats, Ben, and it will, you know, regenerate some interest around the game. So it can only be a good thing.
0: Yeah, Gordon, it is exciting, isn't it, for for rugby in the county? And well, I know famously Whitland are right on the border, of course, but we won't open that debate. <laughs> no. But to, to have Mike Phillips back involved playing playing again it is is exciting for Whitland, no doubt. Uh,
3: yeah, it's great, isn't it? You know, he's played at every level, international, as he had 99 caps, I think it was. Yeah. 99, so his 100th cap will be playing for Whitland <laughs> at Park Lindy Gwyn. Uh No, it's great, great. You know, people will love to see Mike back in uh, the green and white hoops of Whitland playing for his hometown club, and um, it'll be a great occasion. It's whether he'll be able to keep his place or not, it'll be interesting to see. <laughs>
2: I can tell you one thing you'll be scrapping within 20 minutes there'll be a yellow card there
0: somewhere. <laughs> yeah, do we definitely. think it's a one off? Do you think it might be more than one game or do you think it's strictly a one off? I think it'll strictly be a one off then yeah.
3: doing this area, yeah. I don't think Whitland could afford it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Exciting though isn't it? So 23rd of October I That's think right, isn't it? Yeah perfect. For, for Whitland against Aberystwyth, so we'll have more on that nearer the time and um, no doubt about it another Pembrokeshire rugby player to to make the news and she's had quite a bit of attention Fraser we've spoken about mm. Jasmine Joyce on the show r- really since the Olympic Games and then she's been brilliant in the sevens since hasn't she mm. and she's been in the news again over the last couple of days but um, really making the, the case for sevens rugby
2: well she has she's obviously been part of the full-time programme for the Olympics and these two tournaments are Team GB they've won both of them she Player of the tournament in both actually and and she's come out and said now that she's, she's had to remind people constantly this isn't what she does for a living you know she now goes back to three years as a essentially an amateur player um has sit on the seventh circuit of Wales will be part-time they're, they're barely funding that and I think she, she has called out the wru and a lot of things and they need to be because I think you know the, the funding thing is a difficult one the money isn't there in the WU at the moment to throw it all game let alone the women's game and and, you know it might sound a cynical thing to say the women's game isn't maybe drawing off enough funding um for them to justify throwing it than they do the men's game but you know the, certainly the way that women have been treated at the international level have been shabby you know outside the financial side they've been neglected in a lot of ways and I think this could be the first start now of a player speaking out because the players haven't they've been silenced you know we know that we've been asked mm. to keep silence there's been a lot of questions from the media towards the WIU about the women's game which have gone unanswered but Jasmine Joyce is different now because she's now in a position of strength you know she's become a global star hasn't she these last few weeks and the WIU need her more at the moment than she needs them so for her to speak out could have a real influence and I hope it's the star of something.
0: We'll we'll keep an eye on it because um, Gordon, there's no doubt that that Jasmine's star has really shone bright over the last few months and, and she's doing a lot of good for women's rugby.
3: 100%. She's a hundred percent. She's a class act and she and she's performed on the highest stage and, and has pref- and proved that she is the star. And uh, it is a, a precarious and difficult situation for the WRU with the women's game. I agree with Fraser. They need to actually uh, address this problem and, and do it promptly. Uh, I'm sure they can come to some sort of arrangement where they can have a, a decent players uh seven circuits a team on the seventh circuit. Um but you know, we all know that they're really slow at moving are the WRU. They until they're pushed into a corner they won't do anything. So jazz will push them into a corner hopefully and they will be forced forced to do something about it and i wish her all the best because she deserves the best A career is so short 10 years yeah. lifespan you and she's in the middle of that now and she, she's in the peak of her ability yes. and she deserves the rewards that come with it she's proved it on the higher stage
0: okay um, a couple of other things that we'll we'll finish on Uh, there's a lot of discussion about whether the Ashes is going to start in two months time isn't there? Um, Tim Payne made made some comments to say that we're going to be here on the 8th of December whether Joe Root is or not. What what do the two of you think? I I do have quite a bit of sympathy for the England players because I don't think any, any sports side has spent as much time in quarantine bubbles as England's cricketers. I can see where they're coming from.
2: It's such a difficult situation, but I think fiercely Tim Payne should have learnt from when he spoke up at Ravi Ash <laughs> he halfway through the India series. That backfired, and a bit of a loose connection between his brain and mouth. But you know, the English one at times have changed, haven't they? I think fifteen, twenty years ago, you even ten years ago, you asked me this, and I'd say get on with it. You know, nothing can re- you know replicate going out holding a bat in your arm to the Ashes to play mm-hmm. for England. This is a unique situation now. I think there's obviously players who are very concerned about what's going on, I do think. And and people... I won't be popular saying this um, because people outside of sporting circles might might not see it this way. I do think exemptions can be made, they're made for the Ryder Cup for family members to go out. I do think you know, providing rules are stuck to and bubbles are maintained, the Australian government could make exceptions for families to go out. I know it was something that Stuart Broad has called for, Um, it's something that actually could put the Australian Open tennis into jeopardy even writing today about Novak Djokovic probably not going because his anti-vaccination stance and so on. you know, and I think some agreement has to be come through from Australia. I think there can be give and take here. I understand they've got stricter rules than us. Um, but you know, they, if they have to implicate rules on the families and the support members that do go out there, so be it. And if those people break those rules, then, then sure enough, they deserve to be punished. But I do think they should have the opportunity and be doing everything to get this uh, event ahead. And remember, it's not just about sport. You know, this does so much the Australian economy as well, doesn't mm. it? You know, a, t- a tour like the Ashes. So, right. I'd like to think some kind of agreement can be reached. But the longer this goes on, the more uncertain
0: I am. It's really, really tough, isn't it, uh, Gordon? Do we? Do you think we'll get the Ashes?
3: Uh, I think it'll probably go ahead, to be honest with you. Uh, Both parties have to come together and they've got to get this done. Uh, I understand the difficult circumstances of players who have been on tour last year, played the whole summer, not been with their families, been in a bubble. It's been very difficult for them, really difficult. And until you're under that duress, you don't know how difficult it is. But at the end of the day... Cricket still has to go on. Uh, I can't. See, you know, we took yeah. the financial implications are big in Australia. They 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 need this to happen, um, but whether they can sort of arrange another time to do it, I, I don't know. But I, I I think deep down they will come to some sort of arrangement. But mm. if it doesn't happen, I fully understand why.
0: We've got yeah, so
2: well, let's much else to... on, haven't we? We've got so Let, much yeah. else on around the world that we've managed to negotiate. I think we could... Yeah, do
0: yeah. Let's hope so. Uh, well, listen, we, we, we're pretty much done. I've not even had the chance to say to Gordon, I think Oleg and is under a bit of pressure at Manchester United <laughs> as well.
3: No pressure oh. at all.
0: <laughs> After more drop points on Saturday. Um, we also started the show by saying well done to have uh, the West County. That was a really good 1-1 draw against Connors Key at the weekend. Let's hope that the weather gets better in Pembroke. Should we get more action? Uh, Fraser, well done to you once again. 34 miles, top effort yesterday. And yourself, uh, well done, Llan Ryan. If they do want to give a 2.5 million Fraser Watson a call <laughs> it, we'll, I'm sure we'll be able to find a substitute for the show notes, <laughs> but only joking phrase, we'd miss you. Uh, have a break. From Narbeth to Newport for Pembrokeshire. From Pembrokeshire, this is Pure West Radio. Pure West
10: Radio News.
1: I'm Charlie James and here's the latest for Pembrokeshire. 347 new cases of the coronavirus and five new COVID-related deaths have been recorded in the Dar health board area, according to yesterday's figures. The latest figures from Public Health Wales showed that there were 210 new cases in Carmarthenshire, 102 in Pembrokeshire and 35 in Carydigion since the last report. The affordable housing to be included in a major development on the outskirts of Haverford West looks set to be removed from plans this week. An application for 700 houses on land at Slade Lane, along with a supermarket, petrol station and associated infrastructure, was approved in 2014 and reserved matters for 115 dwellings was approved in 2019. The developer's Conygar says the viability of the development would be at risk if it was to meet its agreement of 25% affordable housing, and it also wants to proceed without fully meeting a transport mitigation contribution and residential contribution. A planning report stated that its primary conclusion is that the development cannot viably provide any of the outstanding planning obligations policy requirements in respect of financial contributions towards infrastructure and affordable housing. It added that the evidence presented indicated that the development of much needed new housing provision could not proceed if the section 106 agreements were enforced. An urgent appeal has gone out to find rented accommodation for a third family of Syrian refugees who have been given the go-ahead to move into Cardigan. After a long wait due to the pandemic, the local charity involved with the Government Community Sponsorship Scheme for Settling Syrian Refugee Families have had their application accepted by the Welsh Government and Keradigan County Council. In a statement, they said, We were lucky enough to receive a generous donation which has provided us with the initial funds and we have had a great service Circle of volunteers. Anyone else who can offer a little time for specific tasks or general friendship when the family arrive would always be welcome. A welcoming event is scheduled to be held at Cardigan Guild Hall on October the 19th. And anyone who feels they can help in the rehousing of the third family can contact Alex at alexcroiso, T E I F I, at gmail.com. A man has been accused of making homemade weapons whilst in jail and is to have his case heard at trial later this month. Rory Barnes, whose address is given in Milford Haven, but was formerly given as Cumbry Terrace in Pembroke Dock, is accused of making weapons whilst he was serving time in HMP Park Bridge End in January. On January 18th, Barnes was said to be in possession of what was described as a bladed or sharply pointed article, described as two plastic cutlery handles with the blade from a disposable razor melted onto them. The homemade weapon Barnes is alleged to have possessed is commonly known as a shiv. Just three days later, Barnes was also found to be in possession of a metal spike sharpened to a point with a green cloth handle. The same day, Barnes allegedly had on him a flat yellow coloured metal bar. Barnes denied the first two charges and entered a guilty plea to possessing the metal bar when he appeared at Cardiff Magistrates by video link on September 23rd. He will appear for trial at Cardiff Crown Court on October 21st for the other two matters. I'm Charlie James, and that's the latest for Pembrokeshire.
0: Listen online at PureWestRadio.com. Well, a very good evening and welcome to the second half on Pure West Radio with Pembrokeshire Properties. The show is normally live right now on the Pure West Radio Facebook page, but Facebook, WhatsApp and Instagram having one or two issues this evening. So we're going to carry on regardless. We're on the Pure West Radio website and on your smart speaker right now. And the show's being recorded, so you will be able to watch the videos on the Pure West Radio Facebook as soon as normal service is resumed. But wherever and however... You're joining us tonight. You are very welcome. And as ever, there is plenty to talk about on the show. As we heard in the first hour, running events are going strong in Pembrokeshire and across the UK right now. We'll hear more from Fraser about taking part in the brilliantly named Narboth Nobbler at Templeton Airfield in challenging conditions on Saturday. And Pembrokeshire was well represented in the London Marathon. So if you did it yesterday, either virtually Or in London, a huge congratulations to you. We're going to talk cricket. Football and local rugby and joining us before nine will be an Olympian who now lives in Pelcombe. Bobby Brown's got an amazing story to tell, having represented Team GB at football in the 1960 Olympics and been a regular goal scorer for a number of football league clubs. He's written a book called All He Can Do Is Score Goals and he'll tell us about it before nine tonight. Going to talk indoor cricket in Pembrokeshire as well and the Sport Pembrokeshire Awards and stacks more in the company of Gordon Thomas and Fraser Watson. Evening to you both. Uh, Fraser, how are the legs?
2: been better ben been better my first uh, ultra running experience on saturday i'm pleased to say i didn't enjoy a single second of it <laughs> um, a, a good event thank you to the people who put it on but it's not an experience i'll be going back to anytime soon if i'm honest with you
0: <laughs> okay well, you're going to tell us all about oh, it in just be. a sec let me say evening to gordon thomas uh, a slightly more sedate weekend for you gordon was it
3: yeah it was actually the rain really did dampen everything yeah. didn't it the weekend uh, i was going to go to Goodick versus Fishguard but that was uh, called off quite early Uh, Half West County did manage to get their game on against Connors Key and uh, I was delighted that they got a 1-1 draw against the uh, champions but other than that I didn't go too far unfortunately Ben it wasn't a very nice weekend
0: yeah, and Fraser's going to tell us in just a sec just how tough those conditions were uh, to do a running event. But Gordon, it, it, it was the weather was really bad, wasn't it? And, it? and it did impact so much of the local football, in particular. And It just felt quite early into the new season, the start of October, for, for the rain to be so torrential, even by Pembrokeshire standards.
3: Yeah, it has happened before. Fraser and I are well aware. Once the <laughs> West Wales Intermediate Cup first round comes <laughs> yes. comes comes about, Fraser and I look at each other in anticipation when we were at the. Tally. (laughs) thinking, is it going to be a washout? Are Merlin Bridge going to wait another seven weeks before they play a league game? Because that did happen one year. It's just amazing what happens when that competition starts. So uh, I'm hoping that uh, they can get it all done and dusted this coming weekend and we can move on to the Senior Cup and the league programme again.
0: Because you are right, the last thing clubs need now is a run of cancellation because it will just stack up fixtures later in the season. and, And that's frustrating for everyone, isn't it?
2: Yeah, well, we've been there before, certainly again in Pembrokeshire, haven't we? But yeah, you're absolutely right. The last thing you want is a glut of midweek fixtures coming towards the end of the season. It has happened before. We hope it doesn't happen again. But just touching what you said there, Ben, about Connors, Keamy and Gordon. talking on Saturday. The other three of us were bigging up Andy Morrison and his impact on the Welsh League last Monday. We best not (laughs) talk about what happened Tuesday. (laughs)
0: Yeah, we'll um, we'll do a bit on Haverford West County sure. before the end of the show because I had a really uh, decent draw, I thought, against Connors Key. But we were saying how good Andy Morrison was and how uh, you should read his autobiography on the show. And he got sacked the next day, or parted company anyway, I mean, with Connor's keynote. Another and then, chapter now. <laughs> what I would say, his book is still very good, so do give it a read. Um, let, let's talk about some of the things that happened uh, this weekend, and, and running was obviously at, at the forefront. So, Fraser, your events at Templeton yeah. Airfield, and, and Gordon, have a listen to this, I, I quite like the concept, 4.2 miles every hour.
2: Yeah, the Narbeth Nobler Ben, they're known for their endurance events, and I put endurance in inverted cupboards, but you're right, 4.25 miles every hour I went there never done that kind of distance or race before I went in quite naively uh, I saw Temple and Airfield and I thought good this will be a, a run around concrete and nice and flat and it wasn't it was through marshes it was th- what was concrete was <coughs> flooded it was going through mud a lot so you know I thought it was a shorter distance run, and my problem would be pacing myself on the early laps but it wasn't you know there was no way of going quick anyway you know it was just a case of keeping going and and you know I managed to get to I think miles and I started the ninth lap and my legs literally buckled beneath me and I've never experienced it before so it was a painful day made worse by the weather but you know you have to Q loss to the winner there, Henry Drake. I'm just looking at his stats now. He did 14 laps, 58.8 miles, and remember the only reason that he couldn't carry on was because the rest of the 82 participants had then come out. So that's not to say he wouldn't have gone further. I think Ben, they were people hoping for more. You had the likes of Sana Duthie there. We know her endurance on the on the Coast Path, and and they were hoping for a hundred mile event and a, and a 24 hour some runners going 24 hours, as Tim Plummer wow. said in the first hour of the show. But the conditions just scuppered that, and I think people were literally walking through. It felt like you were running through waterfalls at one point so um you know it's one of those said i'm glad i did it (laughs) i've yet yet to really feel the benefits of it if i'm honest but no it it was some event it was something different um, but it was a tough one and it was a challenge
0: well well congr- congratulations and and Gordon, as we were saying with, with the weather, you can just imagine how difficult that that would have made it for everyone on Saturday,
3: oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I contemplated going across the road to the shop and I struggled. <laughs> I mean if you're going to go round and round an aerierid room for I don't know hours, I think you got go have your heads tested to be honest with you <laughs> I,
0: what What was your strategy phrase, um, was it to was it to pace yourself or was that was that hard?
2: I'll be honest, early on it was Ben to, to try and keep within 40 to 45 minutes um, but to be honest it was very difficult to go quicker than that anyway, it was treacherous straight away So, and to be honest I, I had a very vague strategy Ben to get to to five laps to go above 20 then there was the carrot of going above a marathon distance I don't think you actually classed it as completed an ultra unless you go over the 26.2 yes. and then it was as I was beginning to, to really struggle there was the carrot there of going over 30 um, so once I got to 30 I think it was 33.6 40 looked a long way away as <laughs> yeah, my legs were <laughs> buckling but no it was interesting when you, you talk to maybe the more experienced ultra runners that they did have very set strategies I was speaking to Sana at one point you know and, and she was had a very set time and, and pace she was going at and if she slowed down she'd feel like she was seizing up mm. she didn't want to risk that you know and, and you have to say i'm looking again at the men Henry, his slowest lap was forty-seven minutes, so we still had thirteen minutes to spare. But you know, it was a rude awakening in a lot of ways. Just just stopping sometimes for two or three minutes in between was seizing yeah. up, and it was a <laughs> an embarrassing moment. I, I will shouldn't maybe say this on air too much details, but I oh. walked over to the porta loo before the last lap, oh, oh. and um, no, no, I, I I couldn't open the door to, to go in, so I managed to get around the back into a private area <laughs> and go there. But I I literally couldn't function enough to open the door before. I went for the last lap so um, yeah it, it it was a difficult
0: a difficult day say. I wonder where that story was going you know, yeah. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know um, around and
3: but... the port yeah <laughs> I
0: don't say. exactly well congratulations Fraser that was an absolutely brilliant effort and I think we agreed last week and, and Gordon was the witness that we'd probably do the Dale at half or 10k next year I quite like this sound of this I don't think one. it
3: was probably. It's a definite, you said. The pair of <laughs> you are going head to head. That's what you said last After week. That and the- I'm holding you to it.
0: I quite like the sound of this one, actually, this uh, yeah, Backyard Ultra. I I, do, I could see it being quite addictive, but brilliant effort. Excellent uh, going from everyone that took part in that. Um, Gordon, did you watch any of the London Marathon yesterday? I
3: saw a little bit of it. It's brilliant, isn't it? Let's be honest, all those people running those miles for all those various charities. is fantastic. It's something that's never ever gripped me to do, though, is a marathon. I'm more than happy to do a 5k, 10k would be about my tops, and I'd probably walk that.
0: I mean, we yeah, well, I, it's it's so tricky, It really. is. So I did the virtual yeah. ma- London Marathon. I have to say, um, I think it's a great addition for London Marathon organisers to put a mm. virtual event on where, like, 40,000 people all over the world are also yeah. involved with the London Marathon. I think that's a brilliant thing. But you are right, and, and I was delighted to finish yesterday because it, it was hard mentally, and it's so... It's just completely different. The idea you can run a half marathon and double your time. For me, I can't do that. And some people can, I just can't. And, And you need to focus, you need to be in the zone, it's not my favourite distance it's just a mental endurance challenge that you, you get through and you feel amazing when you get to the end but c- completely different um, but well done to everyone because I think Pembrokeshire was well represented as well yesterday
2: I should give kudos to you there Ben as well being modest there you personal best yesterday I believe wasn't it <laughs> with, with 3 out of 25 so well done for that a fantastic effort but I'm actually interested to hear- your point of view now, because virtual events have become more and more common, mm-hmm. haven't they, since lockdown, it even more practical during lockdown, and, and there's still an element there now, and I think it was only last year this virtual element came into the London Marathon. Does it still feel the same for you? Is it the same? that You have a personal best yesterday. Does it feel the same as if you clocked it in a race, in race conditions, if that makes does that well, make sense to you?
0: You know, actually, I, I thought about this quite a bit beforehand and, and I always felt this was going to be more of a mental challenge than actually doing an event because you don't have the crowds and the big one, you mm. don't have the closed roads either. So you have to be aware of, of cars and, and all sorts going on around you. I actually think when I finished yesterday and look back on it now, I'm probably more proud of that time I did yesterday than the one I did in Manchester when I actually ran a proper event because the, the challenge of actually getting up and motivating yourself to do it and spending 3 hours 25 running 26 miles on your own, just you and your watch for company I think is, is quite some thing um, so I'm probably j- equally as proud mm. to, to get that but I think it is, it's is—it's difficult to do those virtual events. It really is.
2: Do you think it's something that's here to stay in London Marathon and other events as well, the virtual option?
0: Well, well, I, I think the London Marathon has become so difficult to get in mm. now. that So many people ballot for it every year. Uh, the charity places are brilliant, um, but they are also take some commitment because you have to raise yeah. a couple of thousand for most of them. So I think probably virtual races are actually making these events a bit more accessible. And I, I actually feel... That I, I was part of something yesterday, even though I wasn't in London. And I, I think that's a good thing. And I think you'll see more people do it. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, the, the only final thing I'd say, the, you see the variant in times as well. So you see some people who 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 walked it and did it in six, seven, eight hours yeah, or split sure. it across the weekend. I think that's a great message to get people out and actually taking part in these things and engaging.
2: I know you're, you're 24 hours, didn't you, to complete the virtual mm. one. You could do it an unlimited number of runs, if that's right. If yeah. I, so you, that is something that maybe does engage anyone, people who are worried about doing it all in one go. you know, There, there is scope there, isn't it, for anyone to do it, even if it is walked over, over the course of a day. So yeah, I, I, think,
3: I think the message there is for everybody to get the couch potatoes off the settees and actually yeah. walk it, you know what I mean? It's important. Yeah that exercise is the key word not actually running it all the time you know what I mean it's important just to get out socialize and walk why not walk it
0: yeah that's an absolutely brilliant message because I can't run it that's (laughs) you surprise yourself Gordon. I think (laughs) I'm not going to
3: even contemplate it (laughs) I would I, I, I would walk it but I would never run it
0: Well, listen, if you took part in the London Marathon yesterday and you're listening right now, because we're not on Facebook this evening, so if you're listening on your smart speaker or you're listening online, do let us know. You can drop us an email, studio at purewestradio.com, and we'll mention you before nine. Uh, You can also text treble seven. start your message with PWR, and your text is charged at your standard network rates. If you took part yesterday, get in touch with us, and we will mention you before nine o'clock. Right, let's just turn our attention to some else that started today that we featured in the first hour the indoor cricket season is is underway in Pembrokeshire seems to have come round so quickly and it signals the autumn and Gordon the good thing about this is it, it, it can rain as much as it likes and they can still play in Leyland
3: well, exactly. I mean, we usually wait till after Christmas for this uh, to come around, but uh, Nayland now they've built their own complex, they want to bring it forward earlier, which, that's fine. Uh, but I, I can't believe, it. we always used to joke once August was over, the boys put away their whites, and you wouldn't see them again, like Fraser Watson, you wouldn't pick them out until the first week in, uh, the, the last week in April, beginning of May.
2: And the
0: yeah. from the last and day. They, yeah, uh, he would, I mean, yeah. He'd get them out right on the day of the yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> they the season Come on, he would you know, really. all
3: jokes aside, <laughs> Nailand are the, uh, you know, they're the best side in the county at indoor cricket yep. and further afield. They're the Welsh champions as well and hopefully they, they, they would have had a good effort at going to Lords that uh, Covid not intervened. So um, they take their cricket very seriously there. Um, Fraser, how many teams have we got involved in the competition uh, this well, time around?
2: that is, we've actually got a league this year, haven't we? Good. It's become a kick fast on the last okay. Okay. two years and that you only had two or three teams for at some point and some of them were two or three nailing sides mm, as well right. but no this new Nayland centre and the, the introduction of a b league has attracted some teams to it so there i think is. we've got six going in the a league and, and five in the b oh, so oh, uh, they, they have reeled in some teams um yeah. so it will be i think um in the a league everyone will play nine game nine or ten games in the B. For it was predominantly
3: eight, so. played on sundays but obviously are they moving the games to Monday?
2: Monday night is going to be the most popular. Night. There will be some Sundays as well.
0: Yeah. So oh, anyway. excellent. And Fraser, you've been at the hub, haven't you? This evening, yeah. watching the opening game. Who was in action
2: Nail, first up? Nayland Pembroke Dock, and almost at uh, reaffirm Gordon's point. There you go, in Nayland, and you see they've got no Brad McDermott Jenkins available tonight. No Patrick Bellaby. No Ashley Sutton. No Nathan Banner. Four major players there, and they go and knock hundred and thirty-five in ten overs against Pembroke <laughs> yeah, Dock. So Just so well versed in terms of placing. The the ball. They didn't waste a single ball. Pembroke no. had lost an early wicket in their reply, and, and as we arrived, you know, and we're heading for win there, just waiting for confirmation of the uh, of the final score on that one. And then my boys clan and we're up against Narbeth next, so that'll be a tough start for them. But they'll, they'll learn some skills and get some indoor nets in, and save our club having to pay for them to go to nets in the in the winter as well. So
0: <laughs> oh, it, when you do get details, Fraser, do let us know yes, who you've got the runs and wickets because uh, there is the small matter of the indoor cricket fantasy yes. cricket league. Yeah. I. Got got a team done. Gord, did you enter?
3: No, I didn't enter okay. any of that rubbish.
0: <laughs> that, that, that's fine. Fraser did, so you can, <laughs> you can be the independent person to to give views on our teams uh, and, and see who you think has got the best team. Um, okay, Fraser, do you, want, do you want me to go first?
2: Yes, because I'm going to have to remind myself, because the, okay. uh, the Nayland team announcement scuppered me. I had to change it, it did. quite frantically late on today. So, so. W-
0: what Fraser's referencing there, Gordon, is that around about, oh, about four o'clock, they, they actually published the teams okay. uh, for the game. Yeah. So, uh, and there was quite a few changes in the Nayland side. So I had to make some changes. I had Patrick Bellaby as my captain, um, and I've taken him out. I do take fantasy football seriously, and I'm doing the same with fantasy (laughs) cricket. So this is my team, um, Gordon. I've gone with uh, one batsman, three bowlers, a wicketkeeper, and an all-rounder for the opening week. All right. Are you going to name them? Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you now. So as captain, my one batsman today is Greg Miller.
3: Yeah.
0: From Nayland A. Started Uh, well. Three bowlers, uh, Patrick Hannon, Nayland A, Jack John, Nayland A, and Ewan McDonald from Pembroke Dock A. Okay, happy, happy. Uh, my all rounder from Nayland's seaside is Sam Larn, and my wicket keeper I think they're a new side in the league this year, Pembrokeshire Veterans. That's right, yeah, yeah. they are new. I've gone with Neil Williams.
2: Ooh, reliable, reliable opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've not too dissimilar. I've gone with Greg Miller. You'll be pleased to know a good start tonight. James George from Fishguard could be a dark horse there in the B League. Ewan McDonald did us both well by. Um, Bowling a fourteen-ball over in his first um, first <laughs> over tonight, so, <laughs> so sorry, <laughs> Yuan. I may be transferring next week. I've gone. I've stuck to my local boys, Nigel and Yuan from uh, East and Nick Cooman, the all-rounder who's played very well tonight, actually. Um, and as we speak, we just had that first score in Nayland, hundred thirty-five for five. Pembroke Dock reached seventy for
0: six in nine overs, so Nayland off to a winning start as expected. Thoughts, Gordon? Fairly even, those two sides, and I'd say.
3: Yeah, yeah. I would say the phrase has just edged it slightly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just to upset you. A, a bit like his batting, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's,
3: edged it. Very good, Ben. Very good. <laughs>
0: there, I, I should ju- I should just say, um, there, there was a way, to, if you wanted to bolster your batting or your bowling, um, by picking a cheaper player from, from down the list, if you wanted to boost it, there was, at 2.5 million available, a certain F. Watson hmm. from Sam Ryan, I... Just looking at the stats, he's been picked by 0% of people in the game so far.
2: I know, I mean, let's okay. just, just just look at that comparison there, Ben. Obviously, this year won an Alan Brown, won Division 3. He played a bit for the seconds, too, so that's technically a
3: treble. A bit of a fight back yeah. with Mr. Watson, Te- well
2: done, mate. Technically, three trophies. <laughs> I remember back to say, s- someone of a similar ilk in sport, Cristiano Ronaldo, when he left Man United I after the can't
3: see anything a- in your trophy cabinet behind
2: you, Ben. 85 million. So, you know... Patrick, yeah. Patrick Hannan's sick sense of humour there. He so, he, showed, he can show me his prices, I'll show you <laughs> my medals. <all> right?
0: <laughs> just for comparison, Gordon, just so you know, a uh, phrase at £2 million, um uh, uh, my highest, most expensive player this evening is Patrick Hannon at 7.5 and Greg Miller at 7. Uh, Bellaby would have set you back 8.5 million, I think, wouldn't
3: he? Right, OK. Yeah,
0: well, yeah he's yeah. probably would. Could Fraser be an enabler later in the season <laughs> when, he, when he gets his back? I don't know. I don't know. Well, we'll keep a very close eye on that. We'll, we'll do a bit more cricket before we finish because there's a big decision for, uh, to, to mm. face I the didn't England players. The
3: prices are so high in fantasy cricket, so that's why it's fantasy. Well, I would have they said are no more than seven pound fifty, or <laughs> you know, when you're going seven hundred and fifty million, what's going on here? Some
0: are higher than others, Gordon. Let's put it that way.
3: Yeah, for um, obvious reasons. <laughs> Watson's got the medals in the cabinet. <laughs>
0: I'll bring it He's next got 30, week. 34 <laughs> miles in his leg, so he would <laughs> have been a hard word today. Um, we'll take a moment. We'll do a bit more cricket in a sec because I, I want to talk about the ashes and whether yeah, it's going to sure. go ahead. Uh, also, the return of a, a Whitland legend is imminent and some big words from Jasmine Joyce. Oh, I don't say Fraser's
3: coming back again.
2: We'll not not quite as big, but nearly there.
0: And we're going to talk to Bobby Brown before nine as well, right here uh, for a Monday <laughs> evening on Pure West Sports. <laughs>
6: Give us a call on 01437-763387.
7: Seven Spice! Where well, the staff are oh so nice! You'll love our gelfrazy and special rice. What's even better is our price. This will have you coming back not once, but twice. <laughs>
4: of the fire in your eyes. time
0: Pure West Radio for a Monday evening, and it's Pure West Sport with Pembrokeshire Properties. Really good to be with you, uh, with Gordon and Fraser as well in the studio in Haverford West, we're usually live on the Pure West Radio Facebook page at this point, however, uh, Facebook having all sorts of problems this evening, so we're recording the video and we'll be posting it live on the Facebook page a bit later, so you're probably listening to us right now on the website or on your smart speaker and you are very, very welcome. And we're going to go straight to our special guest on the show this evening, who has got a really, really good story to tell as a former uh, striker with a number of clubs, including Cardiff City, Northampton, Fulham and Barnet, and having played football for Team GB in the Olympics in 1960, now calls Pembrokeshire his home and has done for quite some time. uh, It's Bobby Brown, who is with us. Bobby, good evening. How are you? I'm fine. Good evening to you. Uh, listen, it's really nice to have your company um, this evening and um, we've got plenty we want to talk to you about from your uh, goal scoring in the, the 1960 Olympic Games. But we, we should probably start. What, what brought you to Pembrokeshire? You've been here for quite some time now, haven't you? I have been, yeah. Well,
9: um, I moved to Cardiff uh, to play for them in the in mid-60s and uh, then the journey took me away uh, and I went to Hull. And then, with the circumstances that the losing the job at Tull, um, we had we decided we'd like to come back to Wales. I have Welsh connections, which is uh, something which not many people know. And I think on a, this sort of evening, it, it's good to talk about them because um, my mother was one of thirteen children from a mining family in Pontypriest. My grandfather was a, a miner at the Albion Colliery in Culvermouth, and. Um, you know, I've grown up with a, a, a very much a Welsh family. They all moved out from Wales in the problem times, but uh, they've been a close family and uh, Wales means something to me. So when I was lost my job with Cardiff um, because of my injury, uh, I did other things, but eventually got a job uh, with uh, the Welsh FA, where I was covering West Wales uh, in a coaching capacity from school level and local leagues, and whatever, and just developing soccer in Wales. Um, when I left and went to Hull and things turned around up there, we decided we'd like to come back to Wales and particularly
0: Pembrokeshire, where we'd made a lot of friends. I know Gordon and Fraser have got plenty that they, they want to ask you as well. So I'll, yeah. I'll just ask you one more uh, for but, you now, Bobby, your, your career. Uh, you, you mentioned playing for Cardiff and I said Northampton, Watford, Fulham and barnet and, and your yeah. goal scoring record, 124 goals you scored uh, throughout your career. What, what, was the, what was the highlight for you and, and who did you most enjoy playing for out of those teams?
9: Very difficult, all different times really. But uh, Northampton, um, when I went there, we, they're only a small town. And uh, they, they went from the fourth division at the time up to the premier division. I was there and was top scorer for a couple of years and got, on, got into the premier division. And that, that was fantastic. Um, there again, injuries set me back a little bit for the second half of the season. But um, I think that and also Cardiff City was very good to me. I came to Cardiff and they were struggling, and I was I was leaving at a club which had started to fall, and um, Cardiff turned the season round and, and managed to avoid relegation. And the next year we being a much improved side. And then I had a rather terrible accident in a game at Aston Villa against Aston Villa in nineteen sixty seven Boxing Day, wow. which finished my career.
0: Mm-hmm. Gordon.
3: <clears throat> Hi Bobby, uh, good to see you again, um, the last time I saw you was probably in your pub when you served me a pint and then I found out what what a great footballer you were and it's great to have you on the show tonight, it's a, a yeah, real privilege, sorry?
9: Can I come in, you know I don't, I've never re- regarded myself as a, as a, a great footballer Um my friends down here have been here since 1983. I have a lot of good friends, and I don't suppose many of them could tell you the clubs that I played for. I don't really go around that. I, my my, my um, proudest moment is probably that during my career, I was on the pitch with absolutely top players, with, such as the Bests and the Charltons and, you know, just so yeah. many of them to to played against. And I, I, unfortunately, perhaps because of injuries, I didn't ever reach the... The hopes of myself and my family. And I think my injuries may have had a little bit to do with that. But um, yeah, thank you very much for saying it. But I, I, I've never classed myself as a really yeah, well, top you've, player. You've,
3: what you have just said, you've played against and with some elite players. So for people around Pembrokeshire, great is a good <laughs> word for yourself. Definitely, uh, yeah, thank you've, you. You. you've played with a lot of thank good company that people could only dream about in Pembrokeshire Exactly, um, exactly. You said you played for Northampton, I, I hope you didn't play against Best on that dreaded day in the FA Cup uh, when he came back from suspension and scored <laughs> six goals against Northampton if I recollect
9: no, I'd left my leaving card by then. I'd already <laughs> gone from that. <laughs> um, I thought I could see it on the wall. No, the game um, when when we got to the Premier Division, our first three fixtures were one away at Everton, the next was home to um, Manchester United, and then home to Arsenal, and uh, the other way round. Yeah, like. yeah. But anyway, those three they were quite daunting, and uh, we drew with Manchester United and. Um, You know, so I I didn't ever see him take us apart, but he certainly did in that other game.
3: (laughs) That's good. Also, Bobby, when you started out as a youngster, did you start off non-league with Barnett? Was was that how you started and how how did you get picked up to go to a professional club?
9: Well, it's all—it's all, it's all in, 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 obviously, all in my book. But what happened was, my—I was brought up in with my save my mother's side, the family very Welsh. I was brought up in South London, Streatham, Brixton, and um, my father uh, was was from North London, and he had been a, a Barnet supporter since his school days. Mm. So we, I always went to football from the age of when we moved back to London after the war. I I went with him to football from the age of about six or seven. And um, when I then got left school and was playing for my side, they were an old grammarians who ran eight football teams on a Saturday for a fantastic club after school. And uh, I, I, was invited while I was at school to play in their first team. And I managed to score some goals. And when I left school, I joined them. And I was consistently scoring goals for the Old Grammarians in their league and in their first team. And one day my dad said to me, you know, shall I ask Barnett for a trial? So when he asked them, he knew someone there, he asked them about trial. And I went to a meeting. They couldn't understand why a boy from South London who was taking 27 on the tube to get there <laughs> would be going to Barnet when there were local clubs like Dulwich and um, uh, Sutton, Wimbledon. Dulwich Hamlet was one of the big clubs then and there were so many clubs near where I was living. So it was only when I explained to them that I'd supported them for several years myself that they, they took me in. And uh, within a, a, a year, I was playing at Wembley in the Amateur Cup final and scoring goals. So it just took off. It just literally... It's unbelievable how how quickly it happened.
3: Brilliant.
2: Um, Bobby great Fraser here great to have you on the show a big Swansea supporter but I will forgive you the two years at Cardiff <laughs> and CV as well but um,
9: can um, I just it. say I, I always scored against Swansea <laughs> <laughs>
0: most people have uh,
2: <laughs> yeah yeah. you're not unique in that respect um, but no just touching on on your national international career actually you played 14 times I think for England amateur if I'm right and at a successful Olympic Games scoring goals there for Great Britain in 1960 now the um, GB team in the Olympic in terms of football is actually quite a divisive topic in the last few years Only I know in 2012 London they got it going they haven't managed to put it together there's a lot of politics involved now at that time how much of an honour was it to be involved in that team and, and to play in the Olympic Games
9: Oh, just uh, the build-up to it. I mean, being picked just to play first for for England was out the blue. Read the name in the paper that you're in the in the tour, and then going on to the development of the squad that they were going to to go to with Rome was, you know, just unbelievable. I mean, uh, and the 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 thing about it was that we had just lost five one in a warm-up game for the Olympics in Italy to Italy, and. Everybody was waiting for the draw to come out for your groups. And the first team that came out with us was Italy. So they'd just beaten us 5-1. And then the other next team was Brazil, which couldn't have been with top players from Brazil who went on to become really famous. Wow. And then um, and we had China at the end. So, you know, we played um, Brazil in our first game. And uh, we went 1-0 down after the first few minutes, but then got back to I managed to uh, get on the score sheet again and scored, and we were leading, I think, 2-1 in just the beginning of the second half when a fullback had a really terrible injury, broke his leg with a really bad tackle, but wow. he, the guy wasn't sent off and there were no substitutes. So after leading 2-1, we went 4-1 down, 4, we went 4-2 down, and then we got a goal in the end, we lost 4-3, so... Um, and then we, we played China. So I was happy. I scored five goals in three games and it put me on the map um, sure. and even attracted AC Milan. Yeah.
2: So, it was,
0: you know... Oh, it, we were going to ask yeah. you about yeah. it. Don't I mean,
2: spoil too many chapters of your book, but we do need yeah, to touch on this, yeah, Bobby. Yeah.
0: yeah. How, how close were you to signing for AC Milan?
9: Um, well, the, the punchline is in the book, but, but really <laughs> close, really close. It was something um, happened... Out of the blue, not with me, Um, I got a lot of advice from um, one or two of the top professionals. I was at Fulham as an amateur. I mean, not many people were playing then. I I had a few first-team games and even scored two goals in a 4-4 draw against Man United when I was young. But I developed friendships with some of the players like uh, Jimmy Hill, uh, Roy Bentley, Jim Langley. George Cohen, they were top players. Wow. And When I had this approach, I, I went to them to ask, what do I do? And they gave me some advice. As I was an amateur, there'd be no fee for the club. And they told me what to ask for, which I did. And the guy even upped my, what I said. He said, ask for more. So, um, And then I was planning to go. They arranged me to go out to play in a game for their directors to see and possibly be... Um, sent to a a minor club which was connected to them and it was the same time as Jimmy Greaves was going and uh, but it clashed with a tour around the world which I went on which included people like Bobby Moore to to do a six weeks tour so and when I came back the whole situation not through any fault of anybody's altered and uh, it fell
0: apart unfortunately well, listen. There's plenty to read in the book by the sounds of it. And we'll get some more details on that in, in just a second. Just, just wondering, Bobby, what's your what's your feeling now with, with with the modern game? Do you do you still feel connected to it, and, and do you still enjoy watching football?
9: Yeah, I think living where I am, I think one of the you know one of the things I, I'm not happy about living here. I mean, I'm very very happy, but I, I think the football connection, I've lost a lot of of it. Right? You know, if I was living in Cardiff again, I would. Have more contact with football community, um, and not not many. As I say, not many of my friends really probably could tell you much about my football career. I, I ran a I ran an inn and in a restaurant, and uh, in, the, in the distant past, I played football. So, mm. you know, um, it, it's it's very difficult. It's very, it was just very difficult at that time to to come to terms with it all, really. And um, What did I like? Did you say? Yeah, who, who, who did, do, who what did you do, follow? Do you, do you have a favourite team now? Well, I have do have favourite teams, but I think football now has altered so much. I mean, it's not the game that I played. I mean, you only have to look at the boots, you have to look at the ball, you have to look at the pitches, the conditions you play in. I mean, uh, to play oh, forgot on the
3: wages, copy. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah well, that that, that, that that
9: would have helped a great yeah. deal. <laughs> Yeah, but everything has altered so much that it is isn't quite the same game. I mean, even technically, of, when you strike a ball, you know, to bend it like they do today, you could bend it a bit in the old days, but it wasn't. It just wasn't the
0: same. So, I'm, you know, the, the, it's. I still enjoy it. I get the buzz from it. Well, listen. You, good luck with your book. Tell tell us what it's called, Bobby, and where where can people get themselves a copy? Because it sounds like there's plenty in there that that we need to read more about. Yeah, well, the the
9: book itself. Um, you know, I think the most important thing is really is for is for people to understand my background. You know, yes, I was a, a footballer, but the book isn't all about football. You know, I I'm, I feel that uh, people here think see me as Bobby Brown. It's an English name. I've got a lot of Welsh in me. My Hopkins side of the family comes out, um, and uh, I, I just. You know, I, I'm just more concerned with people knowing that I'm not just a footballer. Mm. And uh, i delighted in those days, but that, that, that's not the whole story in the book. There's lots of ups and downs, and like most people, my life hasn't been nice and steady. Um, there have been some really pitfalls in it, which affected my family, and we've had to come through them. And at the end, I came to Pembrokeshire, Took a big gamble. I thought, think I must have been mad to take on the, the thing we did, but we were anxious to get back here. And um, we, we at the end, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. Everything has gone very well. All he can do is score goals. The Life and Times yeah, of Bobby Brown. I can tell you that that was that <laughs> is a, a, this, the title comes from something which was shouted out at the game when I didn't, or we didn't have a particularly good match. And I didn't have a particularly good match. But at the last few minutes of the game, I scored rather, uh, uh, you know, what I thought was a very good goal. And someone shouted it from the crowd. All he can do is score a goal. <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> <too. laughs>
0: yeah. So that, that's, why, that's where the name of the book comes from. And locally, is it going to be on sale in, is it Victoria Bookshop, Bobby? And in Victoria
9: Bookshop, I think yeah. on
0: the, 20,
9: about the 27th, 26th or 27th of um, November, I think, Um Marnie from there has organised the signing session. I'm just amazed. Can I just say that the book initially started because somebody came to speak to me about his book he was writing, (laughs) a boy, (laughs) Pick Burnell. And and we went into all detail because of things that I knew when I went with, with the Welsh FA and worked under Mike Smith, who was the manager. And I learned so much from Mike Smith of of organizing things that it, it would that he, he was fantastic but Nick came down and when we spoke for about an hour finding out things that I knew about the international period in 1970s he just said to me crikey why don't you put this down for your family <laughs> <laughs> don't think your grandchildren would like it didn't did you know anything about your great-grandfather and all these things and he said I'll help you and so about three weeks later I just picked up a pen and started writing And I was amazed at what I can remember. So the book really was for to be left for family, but it's just developed through the help of this Nick Burnell, and uh, has got to where we are. I'm just astonished that it's
0: taken off so well. Um, Listen, thank you for telling us about it and, and do let us know when that, that's confirmed when, when you're going to be doing that signing because we will definitely give that a mention and, and I'll, I'll be wanting to read a copy of that as well. Really good. You'll give us a real, real taste. Bobby, thank you ever so much for your time. Thank, thank you for you, joining Bobby. us this thank evening you Bobby, on the yeah. show. i, I enjoy talking to you. I hope it's been acceptable
2: to Brilliant. You're,
3: oh, honestly, brilliant. you're a gentleman, uh, Bobby. It's great to hear your tales. Uh, you're so modest. It's unbelievable. Yeah.
9: Well... You know, the only thing that set me back was my injury and uh, not many people suffered the injury that I had. But my knee came out the joint on in the oh. game mm. and uh, I'm afraid they didn't repair cruciate ligaments
0: in those days
3: no no,
0: Bobby thank you ever so much for your time we will have to leave it there we've still got a bit more to come on the show this evening though it is Monday evening and this is Pure West Sport
10: Tenby Blues Festival returns on November the 12th to the 14th featuring American Mike Farris Australian Georgia Van Etten and lots and lots of homegrown talent including Errol Linton Kyla Brox the Kennelly Brothers the Daybreakers and many many more For full information and to get your tickets, visit tenbyblues.co.uk. Get your mojo working at Tenby Blues Festival. How are you, Bob? Good, thanks, Chris. Is it true what I heard?
5: Yeah, we're officially the best butchers in Wales.
6: service. Give us a call on 01437 763387.
8: Get more for your money at OC Davis Roundabout Garage Nayland, the MG dealer for Pembrokeshire. Adventure awaits with 0% APR across the MG range, including the MG HS, the new MG ZS and MG3. Feel the power of electric motoring with zero advance payment on the mobility scheme. And as a thank you to our key workers, you can enjoy a contribution of up to £8,500. Don't forget, all new... UMGs come with a seven-year warranty as standard. For more information, go online to www.ocdavis.com
0: or call 01646 600 Well, a very good evening and welcome back. If you're listening right now, you haven't got much choice, actually. You're either listening on your smart speaker or on the Pure West Radio website. Uh, If you're watching on Facebook, this is uh, going back a couple of days and we've uploaded the video. It is being recorded, so uh, the video will be live. But brilliant to talk to Bobby Brown. What a nice chap and some great stories as well. And just... Very casually mentioning some of the greatest footballers that have ever played: Bobby yeah. Moore, George Best.
3: How yeah, I mean, phenomenal. a person of his uh, caliber, it's just so great to hear, isn't it? You know what I mean? He's so modest. Uh, mm. He's, you know, and he didn't. Re- he was so he didn't want to talk about his footballing days that much, really. He, no. a bit, he seemed a little bit embarrassed to talk about it, you know. But yeah. he, he has been in some superb company, brilliant footballers that he played with and against, and an amateur for Great Britain playing in an Olympics, uh, and he, 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 don't call me great. You're great, Bobby, <laughs> you're great.
0: And it had the, what was the name of the pub in Pelham? Gordon? It
3: I was think. the rising
0: sun. rising sun, yeah, I they, remember going I remember. there. I remember this for a couple of reasons. One, one I think Bill paid actually. I went with Bill for dinner, and he did a brilliant half and half chicken curry, chips, and rice. And yeah, times.
3: yeah, you are right. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: And just a re-did the paper that you even picked for England. You know, that's how they oh, yeah, found out. It they just
3: did takes did you back. To
0: yeah, yeah. And, and the thing is, he he will always be an Olympian as well. Yeah, which absolutely. is something that you can't take away with with a great uh, record. He as well. is
3: right. When he worked in the Rising Sun nobody knew no, no, that he was a no. top class footballer you know who who played amateur and professional football nobody knew it came out like years later mm. you yeah. are you played where you
0: are yeah, and that's a, that's a mark of him, really, isn't it? It's yeah. great, great to hear from him, and we will uh, let you know when his book signing will be because I think that's well worth a read. Uh, right, still plenty more to cover. Fraser, Sam Ryan have made a really good start in the indoor cricket, haven't they?
2: They have, been even without the uh, Trevor winning £2.5 million man, they... <laughs> i <laughs> uh, just just read out the score here Narbeth hun- 109 for 3 have reached that 110 for 2 John Strawbridge Nigel Delaney and Yuan James all reaching 25 and retiring so uh, yeah. yeah, it means I can stay on the studio on Monday nights for a couple of weeks more yeah
0: and I had Yuan in my fantasy team and took him out right at the last minute yeah. so Neil Williams of Pembroke uh, Pembroke veterans needs to have a good knock to see. Uh, so well done Slam Ryan One more game To come this evening
2: Yeah there is I think we've got The B League Starting off Aren't we Pembroke Dot B Against Nathan C I believe um, Yeah And two teams Actually who Picked young sides Development sides So that be, be A good
0: watch in fact, it's ten to nine, so they probably will be underway in that they third and final be, yeah. game. And that was an eight thirty start, wasn't it? So yeah, a busy night down at the Nayland Hub. Right, a few things just to, to rattle through to finish the show. Actually, uh, we spoke actually about Mike Phillips last week on the program, and and, and just after we finished, we, we had the news that. Well, the headline was Whitland legend to make a return. And Gordon, first thing I thought was Fraser's putting his boots back on. But no, it's Mike Phillips, isn't it? He's going to be turning out for Whitland on the 23rd of October. And this is this is big news, isn't it?
2: Yes, it is. I mean, it's you know Mike Phillips. Straight away, he's boasting about build a new stand. You know that's the character he is. But we joke about it. It will put a lot of people on the gate, won't it? Just to see him come on, whether he starts or as a substitute. Funny enough, we spoke to Gareth Bennett, didn't we? Whitland Show in, in the first hour of the sh- in the first hour of the show. He said, "Oh, I'll make him train. He might have to come off the bench." <laughs> Mike ain't coming if he's not going to be centre stage. We all know that. So yeah. now, look, just something like that. It is his hometown club. It's nice for him to, to play a game for them. Shane Williams did the same, didn't he, back at Am- and it will put bums and seats, Ben, and it will, you know, regenerate some interest around the game. So it can only be a good thing.
3: Yeah,
0: Gordon, it is exciting, isn't it, for for rugby in the county? And well, I know famously Whitland are right on the border, of course, but we won't open that debate. <laughs> no. But to, to have Mike Phillips back involved playing playing again it is is exciting for Whitland, no doubt. Uh,
3: Yeah, it's great, isn't it? You know, he's played at every level, international, as he had 99 caps, I think it was. 99, so his 100th cap will be playing for Whitland (laughs) at Park Lindy Gwynn. No, it's great, great. You know, people will love to see Mike back in uh, the green and white hoops of Whitland playing for his hometown club, and um, it'll be a great occasion. It's whether he'll be able to keep his place or not, it'll be interesting to see. (laughs)
2: I can tell you one thing you'll be scrapping within 20 minutes there'll be a yellow card there somewhere <laughs> yeah,
0: do we exactly. think it's a one-off? do you think it might be more than one game or do you think it's strictly a one-off? I think it'll strictly be a one-off yeah. Ben I doing
3: this professional area yeah. I don't think Whitland could afford it
0: <laughs> <laughs> exciting though isn't it so 23rd of October I That's think right, isn't it yeah for, for Whitland against Aberystwyth, So we'll have more on that Nearer the time And um, no doubt about it Another Pembrokeshire rugby player to, to make the news And she's had quite a bit Of attention Fraser We've spoken about mm. Jasmine Joyce on the show r- Really since the Olympic Games And then she's been brilliant In the sevens since Hasn't she mm. And she's been in the news again Over the last couple of days But um, really making the, the case For sevens rugby
2: Well she has She's obviously been part Of the full-time programme For the Olympics And these two tournaments are and GB They've won both of them She a player of the tournament In both actually and and she's come out and said and now that she's, she's had to remind people constantly this isn't what she does for a living you know she now goes back to three years as a essentially an amateur player um, on the seventh circuit of Wales will be part time they're, they're barely funding that and I think she, she has called out the WRU and a lot of things and they need to be because I think you know the the funding thing is a difficult one the money isn't there in the WRU at the moment to throw at all game let alone the women's game and, and you know it might sound a cynical thing to say the women's game isn't maybe drawing off enough funding um to justify throwing more at than they do the men's game but you know the, certainly the way that women have been treated at the international level have been shabby you know outside the financial side they've been neglected in a lot of ways and I think this could be the first start now of a player speaking out because the players haven't they've been silenced you know we know that we've been asked mm. to keep silence there's been a lot of questions from the media towards the WIU about the women's game which have gone unanswered but Jasmine Joyce is different now because she's now in a position of strength you know she's become a global star has not she these last few weeks and the WIU need her more at the moment than she needs them so for here to speak out could have a real influence and I hope it's the star of something
0: we'll we'll keep an eye on it because um, Gordon there's no doubt that that Jasmine's star has really shone bright over the last few months and, and she's doing a lot of good for women's rugby
3: 100%. A hundred percent. She's a class act and she and she's performed on the highest stage and, and has pref- and proved that she is the star. And uh, it is a, a precarious and difficult situation for the Wru with the women's game. I agree with Fraser. They need to actually uh, address this problem and, and do it promptly. Uh, I'm sure they can come to some sort of arrangement where they can have a, a decent players 7th uh, circuit a team on the 7th circuit um, but you know we all know that they're really slow at moving on the WRU they until they're pushed into a corner they won't do anything so jazz will push them into a corner hopefully and they will be forced the, forced to do something about it and i wish her all the best because she deserves the best A career is so short 10 years yeah. lifespan you and she's in the middle of that now and she's, she's in the peak of her ability yes. and she deserves the rewards that come with it she's proved it on the higher stage
0: okay um A couple of other things that we'll we'll finish on. Uh, There's a lot of discussion about whether the Ashes is going to start in two months' time, isn't there? Um, Tim Payne made made some comments to say that we're going to be here on the 8th of December, whether Joe Root is or not. What what do the two of you think? I I do have quite a bit of sympathy for the England players because I don't think any, any sports side has spent as much time in quarantine bubbles as England's cricketers. I can see where they're coming from.
2: It's such a difficult situation, but I think fiercely Tim Payne should have learnt from when he spoke up at Ravi Ash halfway through the Indy series. That backfired, and a bit of a loose connection between his brain and mouth. But you know, the English one at times have changed, haven't they? I think fifteen, twenty years ago, or even ten years ago, you asked me this, and I'd say get on with it. You know, nothing can re- you know replicate going out holding a bat in your arm to the ashes to play mm-hmm. for England. This is a unique situation now. I think there's obviously players who are very concerned about what's going on I do think and and People, I won't be popular saying this because um, people outside of sporting circles might, might not see it this way. I do think exemptions can be made. They're made for the Ryder Cup for family members to go out. I do think, you know, providing rules are stuck to and bubbles are maintained, the Australian government could make exceptions for families to go out. I know it was something that Stuart Broad has called for. Um, it's something that actually could put the Australian Open tennis into jeopardy. Been writing today yeah. about Novak Djokovic probably not going because his anti-vaccination stance and so on. Um, you know, and I think some agreement has to be come through from Australia. I think there can be give and take here. I understand they've got stricter rules than us. Um, but, you know, they, if they have to implicate rules on the families and the support members that do go out there, so be it. And if those people break those rules, then, then sure enough, they deserve to be punished. But I do think they should have the opportunity and be doing everything to get this uh, event ahead. And remember, it's not just about sport. You know, this does so much to the Australian economy as well, doesn't mm. it? You know, a, t- a tour like the Ashes. So right. I'd like to think some kind of agreement can be reached. But the longer this goes on, the more
0: uncertain I am. It's really, really tough, isn't it, uh, Gordon? Do, we, do you think we'll get the Ashes?
3: Uh, I think it'll probably go ahead, to be honest with you. Uh, Both parties have to come together and they've got to get this done. Uh, I understand the difficult circumstances of players who have been on tour last year, played the whole summer, not been with their families, been in a bubble. It's been very difficult for them, really difficult. And until you're under that duress, you don't know how difficult it is. But at the end of the day... Cricket still has to go on. Uh, I can't, see, you know. We took yeah. the financial implications are big in Australia. They 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 need this to happen, um, but whether they can sort of arrange another time to do it, I, I don't know. But I, I I think deep down they will come to some sort of arrangement. But mm. if it doesn't happen, I fully understand why.
4: We've got
2: yeah, so well, let's much else time, on, time. haven't we? We've got so Let, much yeah. else on around the world that we managed to negotiate. I think we could... Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah let's hope so uh, Well, listen, we, we, we're pretty much done and I've not even had the chance to say to Gordon I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is under a bit of pressure at Manchester United <laughs> as well
3: no pressure uh, at all
0: <laughs> after more drop points on Saturday um, we also started the show by saying well done to have uh, the West County that was a really good 1-1 draw against Connors at the weekend let's hope that the weather gets better in Pembroke should we get more action uh, Fraser well done to you once again 34 miles top effort yesterday yourself, uh, well done Llan Ryan. if they do want to give a 2.5 million Fraser Watson a call at. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be able to find a substitute for the show notes. when the only joking phrase. We'd miss you. Have a break. From Nourberth to Newport for Pembrokeshire. From Pembrokeshire, this is Pure West Radio. Pure West
10: Radio News.
1: I'm Charlie James and here's the latest for Pembrokeshire. 347 new cases of the coronavirus and five new Covid-related deaths have been recorded in the Hewell-Dar health board area according to yesterday's figures. The latest figures from Public Health Wales showed that there were 210 new cases in Carmarthenshire, 102 in Pembrokeshire and 35 in Ceredigion since the last report. The affordable housing to be included in a major development on the outskirts of Haverford West looks set to be removed from plans this week. An application for 700 houses on land at Slade Lane, along with a supermarket, petrol station and associated infrastructure, was approved in 2014 and reserved matters for 115 dwellings was approved in 2019. The developer's Conygar says the viability of the development would be at risk if it was to meet its agreement of 25% affordable housing, and it also wants to proceed without fully meeting a transport mitigation contribution and residential contribution. A planning report stated that its primary conclusion is that the development cannot viably provide any of the outstanding planning obligations policy requirements in respect of financial contributions towards infrastructure and affordable housing. It added that the evidence presented indicated that the development of much-needed new housing provision could not proceed if the Section 106 agreements were enforced. An urgent appeal has gone out to find rented accommodation for a third family of Syrian refugees who have been given the go-ahead to move into Cardigan. After a long wait due to the pandemic, the local charity involved with the Government Community Sponsorship Scheme for Settling Syrian Refugee Families have had their application accepted by the Welsh Government and Keradigan County Council. In a statement, they said, we were lucky enough to receive a generous donation which has provided us with the initial funds and we have had a great service of volunteers anyone else who can offer a little time for specific tasks or general friendship when the family arrive would always be welcome a welcoming event is scheduled to be held at cardigan guild hall on october the 19th and anyone who feels they can help in the rehousing of the third family can contact alex at alexcroiso t-e-i-f-i at gmail.com A man has been accused of making homemade weapons whilst in jail and is to have his case heard at trial later this month. Rory Barnes, whose address is given in Milford Haven but was formerly given as Cumbry Terrace in Pembroke Dock, is accused of making weapons whilst he was serving time in HMP Park Bridge End in January. On January 18th, Barnes was said to be in possession of what was described as a bladed or sharply pointed article, described as two plastic cutlery handles with the blade from a disposable razor melted onto them. The homemade weapon Barnes is alleged to have possessed is commonly known as a shiv. Just three days later, Barnes was also found to be in possession of a metal spike sharpened to a point with a green cloth handle. The same day, Barnes allegedly had on him a flat yellow-coloured metal bar. Barnes denied the first two charges and entered a guilty plea to possessing the metal bar when he appeared at Cardiff Magistrates by video link on September 23rd. He will appear for trial at Cardiff Crown Court on October 21st for the other two matters. I'm Charlie James, and that's the latest for Pembrokeshire.
0: Listen online at PureWestRadio.com. Well, a very good evening and welcome to the second half on Pure West Radio with Pembrokeshire Properties. The show is normally live right now on the Pure West Radio Facebook page, but Facebook, WhatsApp and Instagram having one or two issues this evening. So we're going to carry on regardless. We're on the Pure West Radio website and on your smart speaker right now. And the show's being recorded, so you will be able to watch the videos on the Pure West Radio Facebook as soon as normal service is resumed. But wherever and however... You're joining us tonight. You are very welcome. And as ever, there is plenty to talk about on the show. As we heard in the first hour, running events are going strong in Pembrokeshire and across the UK right now. We'll hear more from Fraser about taking part in the brilliantly named Narbeth Nobler at Templeton Airfield in challenging conditions on Saturday. And Pembrokeshire was well represented in the London Marathon. So if you did it yesterday, either virtually or virtually, or in London, a huge congratulations to you. We're going to talk cricket, football and local rugby. And joining us before nine will be an Olympian who now lives in Pelcombe, Bobby Brown's got an amazing story to tell, having represented Team GB at football in the 1960 Olympics and been a regular goal scorer for a number of football league clubs. He's written a book called All He Can Do Is Score Goals and he'll tell us about it before nine tonight. Going to talk indoor cricket in Pembrokeshire as well and the Sport Pembrokeshire Awards and stacks more in the company of Gordon Thomas and Fraser Watson. Evening to you both. Uh, Fraser, how are the legs? Been better,
2: Ben. Been better. My first uh, ultra running experience on Saturday. I'm pleased to say I didn't enjoy a single second of it. Um, <laughs> a, a good event. Thank you to the people who put it on, but it's not an experience I'll be going back to anytime soon, if I'm honest with you.
0: <laughs> OK, well, you're going to tell us all about oh, it in just be. a sec. Let me say evening to Gordon Thomas. Uh, a Slightly more sedate weekend for you, Gordon, was it?
3: Yeah, it was, actually. The rain really did dampen everything, yeah. didn't it, at the weekend. Uh, I was going to go to... Goodick versus Fishguard but that was uh, called off quite early Half West County did manage to get their game on against Connors Key and uh, I was delighted that they got a 1-1 draw against the uh, champions but other than that I didn't go too far unfortunately Ben it wasn't a very nice weekend
0: yeah, and Fraser's going to tell us in just a sec just how tough those conditions were uh, to do a running event. But, Gordon, it, it, it was, the weather was really bad, wasn't it? And, and it did impact so much of the local football in particular. And it just felt quite early into the new season, the start of October, for, for the rain to be so torrential, even by Pembrokeshire standards.
3: Yeah, it has happened before. Fraser and I are well aware once the <laughs> West Wales Intermediate Cup first round comes, <laughs> yes. comes comes about, Fraser and I look at each other in anticipation when we were at the tally. (laughs) thinking, is it going to be a washout? Are Merlin Bridge going to wait another seven weeks before they play a league game? Because that did happen one year. It's just amazing what happens when that competition starts. So uh, I'm hoping that uh, they can get it all done and dusted this coming weekend and we can move on to the Senior Cup and the league programme again.
0: Because you are right, the last thing clubs need now is a run of cancellations because it will just stack up fixtures later in the season. and, And that's frustrating for everyone, isn't it?
2: Yeah, well, we've been there before, certainly again in Pembrokeshire, haven't we? But yeah, you're absolutely right. The last thing you want is a glut of midweek fixtures coming towards the end of the season. It has happened before. We hope it doesn't happen again. But just touching what you said there, Ben. about Connors, Keamy and Gordon we're talking on Saturday. The other three of us were bigging up Andy Morrison and his I impact know. on the Welsh
0: League last Monday. We best not <laughs> well, talk about what happened Tuesday. <laughs> Yeah, we'll um, we'll do a bit on Haverford West County sure. before the end of the show because I had a really uh, decent draw, I thought, against Connors Key. But we were saying how good Andy Morrison was and how uh, you should read his autobiography on the show. And he got sacked the next day, or party company anyway, I mean, with Connor's over Another then, chapter now. <laughs> what I would say, his book is still very good, so do give it a read. Um, let, let's talk about some of the things that happened uh, this weekend. And, and running was obviously at, at the forefront. So, Fraser, your event at Templeton yeah. Airfield. And, and Gordon, have a listen to this. I, I quite like the concept. 4.2 miles every hour.
2: Yeah, the Narbeth Nobler, Ben, they're known for their endurance events, and I put endurance in inverted but you're right, 4.25 miles every hour. I went there... Never done that kind of distance or race before. I went in quite naively. Uh, I saw Temple and Airfield and I thought, "Good, this will be a, a run around concrete and nice and flat." And it wasn't. It was through marshes. It was th- what was concrete was <coughs> flooded. It was going through mud a lot. So you know, I thought it was a shorter distance run, and my problem would be pacing myself on the early laps. But it wasn't. You know, there was no way of going quick anyway. You know, it was just a case of keeping going. And and you know, I managed to get to I think. miles and I started the ninth lap and my legs literally buckled beneath me and I've never experienced it before so it was a painful day made worse by the weather but you know you have to kudos to the winner there Henry Drake I'm just looking at his stats now he did 14 laps 58.8 miles and remember the only reason that he couldn't carry on was because the rest of the 82 participants had then come out so that's not to say he wouldn't have gone further I think Ben they were people hoping for more you had the likes of Sana Duthie there we know her endurance on the on the Pembrokeshire coast path and and they were hoping for a 100 mile event and a, and a 24 hour some runners going 24 hours as Tim Plum wow. said in the first hour of the show but the conditions just scuppered that and I think people were literally walking through it felt like you were running through waterfalls at one point so um you know it's one of those said i'm glad i did it <laughs> i've yet, yet to really feel the benefits of it if i'm honest but no it was, it was some event it was something different um but it was a tough one and it was a challenge
0: yeah, um, well well, congr- congratulations and, and gordon as we were saying with, with the weather you can just imagine how difficult that, that would have made it for everyone on saturday
3: oh yeah definitely i mean i, I contemplated going across the road to the shop and i struggled those- <laughs> I mean, if you're going to go round and round an aerodrome a for, I don't know, hours, I think you've got to have your heads tested, to be honest with you. <laughs> I,
0: what, what was your strategy, phrase? Um, was, was it to pace yourself, or was that, was that hard?
2: I'll be honest, early on it was, Ben, to, to try and keep within 40 to 45 minutes. Um, but to be honest, it was very difficult to go quicker than that anyway. It was treacherous straight away. So, um, to be honest, I, I had a very vague strategy, Ben, to get to... To five laps to go above 20 then there was the carrot of going above a marathon distance I don't think you actually classed as uncompleted an ultra unless you go over the 26.2 and then it was as I was beginning to to really struggle there was the carrot there of going over 30 Um, so once I got to 30 I think it was 33.6 40 looked a long way away (laughs) as my legs were buckling but no it was interesting when you you talk to maybe the more experienced ultra runners that they did have very set strategies I was speaking to Sana at one point you know and, and she was had a very set Time and, and pace she was going at, and if she slowed down, she'd feel like she was seizing up. So mm. She didn't want to risk that, you know. And you have to say, I'm looking again, the men sh- Henry, his slowest lap was 47 minutes, so we still had 13 minutes to spare. But you know, it was a rude awakening in a lot of ways, just just stopping sometimes for two or three minutes in between was seizing yeah. up. And then it was a <laughs> an embarrassing moment. I, I, up, I shouldn't maybe say this on air too much detail, but I oh. walked over to the Portal loo before the last lap, oh, oh. and um, no, no, I, I, I couldn't open the door to, to go in so I managed to get around the back into a private area and go there but I, I literally couldn't function enough to open the door before I went for the last lap so um, yeah it it, it was a difficult,
0: a difficult day I'll say I wonder where that story was going for <laughs> no, Yeah, I don't yeah. know, <laughs> I don't know Round uh, but...
3: around the port <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> exactly well congratulations that That's an absolutely brilliant effort and I think we agreed last week and, and Gordon was the witness that we'd probably do the Dale at half or 10k next year I quite like this sound. I don't of think one. it was
3: probably. It's a definite, you said. The pair of you are going head to head. That's what you said last After week. That, and the- I'm holding you to it.
0: I quite like the sound of this one, actually, this uh, yeah, Backyard Ultra. I, I, did, I could see it being quite addictive, but brilliant effort. Excellent uh, going from everyone that took part in that. Um, Gordon, did you watch any of the London Marathon yesterday? I
3: saw a little bit of it. It's brilliant, isn't it? Let's be honest, all those people running those miles for all those various charities is fantastic. It's something that's never ever gripped me to do, though, is a marathon. I'm more than happy to do a 5k. 10k would be about my tops, and I'd probably walk that.
0: I mean, we... Yeah, well, I, it's it's so tricky. It really is. So I did the virtual yeah. ma- London Marathon. I have to say, um, I think it's a great addition for London Marathon organisers to put a mm. virtual event on where like 40,000 people all over the world are also yeah. involved with the London Marathon. I think that's a brilliant thing. But you are right, and and I was delighted to finish yesterday because it, it was hard mentally, and it's so. It's just completely different. The idea you can run a half marathon and double your time. For me, I can't do that. And some people can, I just can't. And, And you need to focus, you need to be in the zone, it, it's not my favourite distance. It's just a mental endurance challenge that you you get through, and you feel amazing when you get to the end. But c- completely different. Um, but well done to everyone because I think Pembrokeshire was well represented as well yesterday.
2: I should give kudos to you there, Ben, as well. Being modest, there, you personal best yesterday, I believe. Wasn't it? Was <laughs> 25 So well done for that. A fantastic effort. But I'm actually interested here. Your point of view now, because virtual events have become more and more common, mm. haven't they, since lockdown, just even more practical during lockdown, and, and there's still an element there now, and I think it was only last year this virtual element came into the London Marathon. Does it still feel the same for you? Is it the same? that You have a personal best yesterday. Does it feel the same as if you clocked it in a race, in race conditions, if that makes does that well, make sense to you?
0: You know, actually, I, I thought about this quite a bit beforehand and and I always felt this was going to be more of a mental challenge than actually doing an event because you don't have the crowds and the big one, you mm. don't have the closed roads either. So you have to be aware of, of cars and, and all sorts going on around you. I actually think when I finished yesterday and look back on it now, I'm probably more proud of that time I did yesterday than the one i did in manchester when i actually ran a proper event because the the challenge of actually getting up and motivating yourself to do it and spending three hours 25 running 26 miles on your own just you and your watch for company i think is is quite some thing um so i'm probably equally as proud Mm. to, to get that but i think it is it's difficult to do those virtual events it really is
2: do you think it's something that's here to stay in London Marathon and other events as well, the virtual option?
0: Well, well, I, I think the London Marathon has become so difficult to get in mm. now. that So many people ballot for it every year. Uh, the charity places are brilliant, um, but they also take some commitment because you have to raise yeah. a couple of thousand for most of them. So I think probably virtual races are actually making these events a bit more accessible. And I, I actually feel... That I, I was part of something yesterday, even though I wasn't in London. And I think that's a good thing. And I think you'll see more people do it. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, the, the only final thing I'd say that you see the variant in times as well. So you see some people who, who, who walked it and did it in six, seven, eight hours, yeah, or split sure. it across the weekend? I think that's a great message to get people out and actually taking part in these things and engaging.
2: I know you're 24 hours, didn't you, to complete the virtual mm. one? You could do it in a unlimited number of runs, if that's right. If yeah. I, so you, that is something that maybe does engage anyone. People who are worried about doing it all in one go, you know, there, there is scope there, isn't it, for anyone to do it, even if it is walked over over the course of a day. So I yeah, think, I, think,
3: I think the message there is for everybody to get the couch potatoes off the settees and actually yeah. walk it. You know what I mean? It's important. Yeah that exercise is the key word not actually running it all the time you know yeah. what I mean it's important just to get out socialize and walk why not walk it
0: yeah that's an absolutely brilliant message because I, I, I can't run it that's <laughs> you surprise yourself Gordon, I think <laughs> you really uh, know, they, that's, <laughs> that's I'm not really going to thing.
3: even contemplate it <laughs> I, would, I, I I would walk it but I would never run it
0: well, listen, if you took part in the London Marathon yesterday and you're listening right now, because we're not on Facebook this evening, so if you're listening on your smart speaker or you're listening online, do let us know. You can drop us an email, studio at purewestradio.com and we'll mention you before nine. Uh, you can also text treble seven. start your message with PWR and your text is charged at your standard network rates. So if you took part yesterday, get in touch with us and we will mention you before nine o'clock. Uh, right, let's just turn our attention to something else that started today that we featured in the first hour. The indoor cricket season is, is underway in Pembrokeshire. Seems to have come round so quickly and it signals the autumn. And Gordon, the good thing about this... Is it, it it can rain as much as it likes and they can still play in Nayland?
3: Well, exactly, I mean, we usually wait till after Christmas for this uh, to come around, but uh, Nayland now they've built their own complex. they want to bring it forward earlier which, that's fine uh but i, I can't believe it. we always used to joke once August was over, the boys put away their whites, and you wouldn't see them again, like Fraser Watson you wouldn't pick them out until the first week in, uh, the the last week in April beginning of May
2: a deity
0: yeah. from the last and day they, yeah, yeah. He would, I mean yeah. he'd get them out right on the day of year. <laughs> the opening day of the season goal. come on he would you know really. all
3: jokes aside <laughs> Nayland are the uh, you know they're the best side in the county at indoor cricket yep. and further afield they're the Welsh champions as well and hopefully they, they, they would have had a good effort at going to Lords that uh, Covid not intervened so um, they take their cricket very seriously there um, Fraser how many teams have we got involved in the competition uh, this well, time around
2: that is we've actually got a league this year haven't we good it's become a kick fast on the last Okay. few years and that you only had two or three teams for at some point and some of them were two or three Nayland sides mm, as well right. but no this new Nayland centre and the introduction of a B league has attracted some teams to it so Good. i think we've got six going in the a league and, and five in the b so oh, they, they have reeled in some teams um yeah so it will be i think um in the a league everyone will play nine games, nine or ten games in the B. For,
3: it was predominantly eight, so. played on sundays but obviously are they moving the games to Monday?
2: Monday night is going to be the most popular. Night. There will be some Sundays as well.
0: Yeah, so Oh, you know, excellent. And Fraser, you've been at the hub, haven't you? This evening, yeah. watching the opening game. He, he was in action
2: Nail, first up. Nayland Pembroke Dock, and almost to uh, reaffirm Gordon's point, there you go in Nayland, and you see they've got no Brad McDermott Jenkins available tonight, no Patrick Bellaby, no Ashley Sutton no Nathan Banner. Four major players there, and they go and knock hundred and thirty-five in ten overs against Pembroke <laughs> yeah, Dock. So Just so well versed in terms of placing. The ball. They didn't waste a single ball. Pembroke Dock no. had lost an early wicket in their reply, and, and as we arrived, you know, and we're heading for win there, just waiting for confirmation of the uh, of the final score on that one. And then my boys, clan Rien we're up against Narbeth next, so that'll be a tough start for them. But they'll, they'll learn some skills and get some indoor nets in, and save our club having to pay for them to go to nets in the uh, in the winter as well. So
0: <laughs> oh, it, when you do get details, Fraser, do let us know Will who you got the runs and wickets because uh, there is the small matter of the indoor cricket fantasy yes. cricket league. Yeah. I. Got a team done, Gord? Did you enter?
3: No, I didn't enter. Okay, any of that rubbish.
0: <laughs> so that, that's fine. Fraser did, so you can, <laughs> you can be the independent person to to give views on our teams uh, and and see who you think has got the best team. Um, okay, Fraser, do you want do you want me to go first?
2: Yes, because I'm going to remind myself because the, okay. the the NALIN team announcement scuppered me. I had to change it, it did. quite frantically late on today. So, so. W-
0: what Fraser's referencing there, Gordon, is that around about or oh, about four o'clock they they actually published the teams. Okay, uh, for the game. Yeah. So, uh, and there was quite a few changes in the Nayland side. So I had to make some changes. I had Patrick Bellaby as my captain, um, and I've taken him out. I do take fantasy football seriously, and I'm doing the same with fantasy (laughs) cricket. So this is my team, um, Gordon. I've gone with uh, one batsman, three bowlers, a wicketkeeper, and an all-rounder for the opening week. All right. Are you going to name them? Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you now. So as captain, my one batsman today is Greg Miller.
3: Yeah.
0: From Nayland A. Started Uh, well. Three bowlers, uh, Patrick Hannon, Nayland A, Jack John, Nayland A, and Ewan McDonald from Pembroke Dock A. Okay. Happy? Happy? Uh, My all rounder from Nayland's seaside is Sam Larn. And my wicketkeeper, I think they're a new side in the league this year, Pembrokeshire Veterans. That's right. Yeah, Yeah. they are new. I've, I've gone with Neil Williams.
2: Ooh, reliable, reliable keeper. Yeah. Here, I I've not too dissimilar. I've gone with Greg Miller. You'll be pleased to know a good start tonight. James George from Fishguard could be a dark horse there in the B League. You and McDonald did us both well by. Um, bowling a 14 ball over in his first um, first <laughs> over tonight so, <laughs> <laughs> so sorry sorry you I may be transferring next week I've gone oh. I've stuck to my local boys Nigel and Yuan from from uh, Llanryan and Nick Cooman the all-rounder who's played very well tonight actually um, and as we speak we just had that first score in Nayland, 135 for 5 Pembroke Dock reached 70 for
0: 6 in 9 overs so Nayland off to a winning start as expected scored and fairly even, those two sides, then, I'd say.
3: Yeah, yeah. I would say the phrase has just edged it slightly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just to upset you. A, a bit like his batting, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's,
3: edged it. Very good, Ben. Very good. <laughs> there,
0: I, I, should ju- I should just say, um, there, there was a way, to if you wanted to bolster your batting or your bowling, um, by picking a cheaper player from, from down the list, if you wanted to boost it, there was at 2.5 million available, a certain F. Watson mm. from Sam Ryan. I just looking at the stats he's been picked by 0% of people in the game so far
2: I I mean let's just just, just look at that comparison there Ben obviously this year won an Alan Brown won Division 3 he played a bit for the second so that's technically a treble a bit of a
3: fight back with Mr Watson well mate technically (laughs) three trophies
2: I remember back to say someone of a similar ilk in sport Cristiano Ronaldo when he left Man United after the treble I can't
3: see anything in your trophy cabinet behind
2: you Ben 85 million so you know Patrick, yeah. Patrick Hannon's sick sense of humour there. He, so, he, showed, he can show me his prices, I'll show you <laughs> my medals. All right?
0: Just for comparison, Gordon, just so you know, uh phrase at two million, um, uh, uh, my highest most expensive player this evening is Patrick Hannon at 7.5 and Greg Miller at 7 uh, Bellaby would have set you back 8.5 million I think wouldn't he
2: right
3: okay yeah,
0: uh, yeah he yeah. probably worth but it could, could Fraser be an enabler later in the season <laughs> when, he, when he gets his back I don't know I don't know well we'll keep a very close eye on that we'll, we'll do a bit more cricket before we finish because there's a big decision for, uh, to, to mm. face I the England players the
3: prices are uh, so high in fantasy cricket so that's why it's fantasy well, I would have said no somebody. more than £7.50 or you know <laughs> when you're going 750 million what's going on here?
0: Some are higher than others Gordon let's put it that way
3: Yeah for um, obvious reasons <laughs> Watson's got the medals in the cabinet
0: I'll bring him And next he's got week. 30, 34 <laughs> miles in his legs, so he wouldn't be a hard word today um, We'll take a moment we'll do a bit more cricket in a sec because I, I want to talk about the Ashes and whether yeah, it's going to sure. go ahead uh, Also the return of a, a Whitland legend is imminent and some big words from Jasmine Joyce Don't oh, say well.
3: Fraser's coming back again
2: not not quite as big but nearly there
0: and we're going to talk to bobby brown before nine as well right here uh, for a monday evening on pure west Sports.
5: how are you bob good thanks chris is it true what i heard yeah we're officially the best butchers in wales that's amazing chris massive congratulations to you and the team oh thanks bob
6: Give us a call on 01437 763387.
7: Seven Spice! With well, a staffer oh, so nice! You'll love our jalfrezi and special rice. What's even better is our price. This will have you coming back not once, but twice. <laughs>
0: Pure West Radio for a Monday evening. And it's Pure West Sport with Pembrokeshire Properties. Really good to be with you. Uh, with Gordon and Fraser as well in the studio in Haverford West, we're usually live on the Pure West Radio Facebook page at this point, however, uh, Facebook having all sorts of problems this evening, so we're recording the video and we'll be posting it live on the Facebook page a bit later, so you're probably listening to us right now on the website or on your smart speaker, and you are very, very welcome. And we're going to go straight to our special guest on the show this evening who has got a really, really good story to tell as a former uh, striker with a number of clubs including Cardiff City, Northampton, Fulham and Barnet and having played football for Team GB in the Olympics in 1960 now calls Pembrokeshire his home and has done for quite some time. uh, It's Bobby Brown who is with us. Bobby, good evening. How are you? I'm fine. Good evening to you. Uh, listen, it's really nice to have your company um, this evening and we've got plenty we want to talk to you about from your uh, goal scoring in the, the 1960 Olympic Games. But we, we should probably start. What, what brought you to Pembrokeshire? You've been here for quite some time now, haven't you? I have been, yeah. Well,
9: um, I moved to Cardiff uh, to play for them in the in mid-60s and uh, then the journey took me away uh, and I went to Hull. And then with the circumstances of the, losing the job at Tull, um, we had we decided we'd like to come back to Wales. I have Welsh connections, which is uh, something which not many people know. And I think on a, this sort of evening, it, it's good to talk about them because um, my mother was one of 13 children from a mining family in Pontypridd. My grandfather was a, a miner at the Albion Colliery in Kilvanis and... Um, you know, I've grown up with a, a, a very much a Welsh family. They all moved out from Wales in the problem times, but uh, they've been a close family and uh, Wales means something to me. So when I was lost my job with Cardiff um, because of my injury, I uh, did other things, but eventually got a job uh, with uh, the Welsh FA, where I was covering West Wales uh, in a coaching capacity from school level and local leagues, and whatever, and just developing soccer in Wales. Um, when I left and went to Hull and things turned around up there, we decided we'd like to come back to Wales and particularly
0: Pembrokeshire, where we'd made a lot of friends. I know Gordon and Fraser have got plenty that they, they want to ask you as well. So I'll yeah. I'll just ask you one more uh, for yeah. you now, Bobby. Your, your career, uh, you, you mentioned playing for Cardiff and I said Northampton, Watford, Fulham and Barnet. And, and your yeah. goal scoring record, 124 goals you scored uh, throughout your career. What, what was the what was the highlight for you and, and who did you most enjoy playing for out of those teams?
9: Very difficult, all different times really. But uh, Northampton, um, when I went there, we they were only a small town. And uh, they, they went from the fourth division at the time up to the premier division. I was there and was top scorer for a couple of years and got, on, got into the premier division. And that, that was fantastic. Um, there again, injuries set me back a little bit for the second half of the season. But um, I think that and also Cardiff City was very good to me. I came to Cardiff and they were struggling, and I was I was leaving a club which had started to fall, and um, Cardiff turned the season round and, and managed to avoid relegation. And the next year we're being a much improved side. And then I had a rather terrible accident in a game at Aston Villa against Aston Villa in nineteen sixty seven Boxing Day, wow. which finished my career.
0: Mm-hmm. Gordon.
3: <clears throat> Hi Bobby, uh, good to see you again, um, the last time I saw you was probably in your pub when you served me a pint and then I found out what what a great footballer you were and it's great to have you on the show tonight, it's a, a yeah, real can pri- I, sorry? Can I come in on that,
9: you know I don't, I've never re- regarded myself as a, as a, a great footballer, um, my friends down here have been here since 1983 i have a lot of good friends and i don't suppose many of them could tell you the clubs that i played for i don't really go around that I, my 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 um proudest moment is probably that during my career i was on the pitch with absolutely top players with such as the bests and the charltons and you know just so yeah. many of them to to play against. and i i unfortunately perhaps because of injuries i didn't ever reach the the hopes of myself and my family and I think my injuries may have had a little bit to do with that but um, yeah thank you very much for saying it but I, I, I've never classed myself as a really yeah, well, top you've, player. You've,
3: what you have just said you've played against and with some elite players so for people around Pembrokeshire great is a good <laughs> word for yourself. Definitely. Yeah, you've, you. you've played with a lot of thank good company that people could only dream about in Pembrokeshire.
9: Exactly. Um,
3: exactly. You said you played for Northampton. I, I hope you didn't play against Best on that dreaded day in the FA Cup uh, when he came back from suspension and scored <laughs> six goals against Northampton, if I recollect.
9: No, I'd left my leaving card by then. I'd already (laughs) gone from. (laughs) Um, I thought I could see it on the wall. No, the game, um, when when we got to the Premier Division, our first three fixtures were one away at Everton, the next was home to um, Manchester United, and then home to Arsenal. And uh, the other way around, it was. But anyway, those three, they were quite daunting. And uh, we drew with Manchester United. And. you know, So I, I didn't ever see him take us apart, but he certainly did in that other game.
3: <laughs> that, that's good. Also, Bobby, you, you, when you started out as a youngster, did you start off non-league with Barnett? Was, was that how you started? And how, yeah, did you, I- how did you get picked up to go to a professional club?
9: Well, it's all—it's all, it's all in, 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 obviously, all in my book. But what happened was, my—I was brought up in with my save my mother's side, the family, very Welsh. I was brought up in South London, Streatham, Brixton, and um, my father uh, was was from North London, and he had been a, a Barnet supporter since his school days. Mm. So we—I always went to football from the age of when we moved back to London after the war. I. I went with him to football from the age of about six or seven. And um, when I then got left school and was playing for my side, they were an old grammarians who ran eight football teams on a Saturday for a fantastic club after school. And uh, I was invited while I was at school to play in their first team. And I managed to score some goals. And when I left school, I joined them and I was consistently scoring goals for the Old Grammarians in their league and in their first team. And one day my dad said to me, uh, you know, shall I ask Barnet for a trial? So when he asked them, he knew someone there, he asked them about trial, and I went to a meeting. They couldn't understand why a boy from South London, who was taking <laughs> 27 stops on the tube to get there, would be going to Barnett when there were local clubs like Dulwich, and um, uh, Sutton, Wimbledon. Dulwich Hamlet was one of the big clubs then, and there were so many clubs near where I was living. So it was only when I explained to them that I'd supported them for several years myself that they, they took me in. And uh, within a, a, a year, I was playing at Wembley in the Amateur Cup final and scoring goals. So it just took off. It just literally its unbelievable how, it, how quickly it happened.
3: Brilliant.
2: Um, Bobby great Fraser here great to have you on the show a big Swansea supporter but I will forgive you the two years at Cardiff and the CV as well but um,
9: can um, I just say I, I always scored against Swansea <laughs> <laughs>
0: most people have uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah you're not unique in that respect um, but no just touching on on your national international career actually you played 14 times I think for England amateur if I'm right and at a successful Olympic Games scoring goals there for Great Britain in 1960 now the um, GB team in the olympic in terms of football is actually quite a divisive topic in the last few years and i know in 2012 london they got it going they haven't managed to put it together there's a lot of politics involved now at that time how much of an honor was it to be involved in that team and, and to play in the olympic games
9: Oh, just uh, the build-up to it. I mean, being picked just to play first for for England—that was out the blue. Read the name in the paper that you're in the in the tour, and then going on to the development of the squad that they were going to to go to with Rome was, you know, just unbelievable. I mean, uh, and the 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 thing about it was that we had just lost five-one in a warm-up game for the Olympics in Italy to Italy, and. Everybody was waiting for the draw to come out for your groups. And the first team that came out with us was Italy. So they'd just beaten us 5-1. And then the other next team was Brazil, which couldn't have been with top players from Brazil, who went on to become really famous. And then then we had China at the end. So, you know, we played um, Brazil in our first game. And uh, we went 1-0 down after the first few minutes, but then got back to I managed to uh, get on the score sheet again and, and scored and we were leading, I think, 2-1 in just at the beginning of the second half when a fullback had a really terrible injury, broke his leg with a really bad tackle, but wow. he, the guy wasn't sent off and there were no substitutes. So after leading 2-1, we went down, 4 down, down, we went 4-2 down and then we got a goal near the end, we lost 4-3. So... Um, and then we played China, so I was happy. I scored five goals in three games, and it put me on the map um, sure. and even attracted AC Milan.
2: Yeah. So, it was,
9: you know... Oh, it,
0: we were going to ask you yeah. about yeah. this. Don't but, us- I mean, spoil too many chapters of
2: your book, but we do need yeah. to touch on this, yeah. Bobby. Yeah.
0: How, how close were you to signing for AC Milan? Um, well, the, the punchline is in the book, but, but really <laughs>
9: close, really close. It was something um, happened... Out of the blue, not with me, Um, I got a lot of advice from um, one or two of the top professionals. I was at Fulham as an amateur. I mean, not many people were playing then. I I had a few first-team games and even scored two goals in a 4-4 draw against Man United when I was young. But I developed friendships with some of the players like uh, Jimmy Hill, uh, Roy Bentley, Jim Langley, George Cohen, they were top players. Wow. And When I had this approach, I, I went to them to ask, what do I do? And they gave me some advice. As I was an amateur, there'd be no fee for the club. And they told me what to ask for, which I did. And the guy even upped my, what I said. He said, ask for more. So, um, And then I was planning to go. They arranged me to go out to play in a game for their directors to see and possibly be... Um, sent to a, a minor club which was connected to them and it was the same time as jimmy greaves was going and uh, I, but I, it clashed with a tour around the world which i went on which included people like bobby moore to do wow. a six weeks tour so and when i came back the whole situation not through any fault of anybody's altered and uh, it fell apart unfortunately
0: well, listen. There's plenty to read in the book, by the sounds of it. And we'll get some more details on that in, in just a second. Just, just wondering, Bobby, what's your what's your feeling now with, with with the modern game? Do you do you still feel connected to it, and, and do you still enjoy watching football? Yeah, I think
9: living where I am, I think one of the you know one of the things I, I'm not happy about living here. I mean, I'm very very happy, but I, I think the football connection, I've lost a lot of of it. Right? You know, if I was living in Cardiff again, I would. Have more contact with football community, um, and not not many as I say, not many of my friends really probably could tell you much about my football career i, I ran a, I ran an inn and in a restaurant and uh, in the in the distant past, I played football so mm. you know um, it 's it's, it's very difficult it's very, it was just very difficult at that time to to come to terms with it all really. And who, What did I like? Did you say? Who, who, who did who, who what who you do, follow? Do you, do you have a favourite team now? Well, I have two favourite teams, but I think football now has altered so much. I mean, it's not the game that I played. I mean, you only have to look at the boots, you have to look at the ball, you have to look at the pitches, the conditions you play in. I mean, I, to play forgot on the
3: wages, pitches, Bobby. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that that, that, that that
9: would have helped a great yeah. deal. <laughs> Yeah, but everything has altered so much that it is isn't quite the same game. I mean, even technically, of, when you strike a ball, you know, to bend it like they do today, you could bend it a bit in the old days, but it wasn't. It just wasn't the
0: same. So, I'm, you know, the, the, it's. I still enjoy it. I get the buzz from it. Well, listen. You, good luck with your book. Tell tell us what it's called, Bobby, and where where can people get themselves a copy? Because it sounds like there's plenty in there that that we need to read more about. Yeah, well, the
9: the book itself. Um, you know, I think the most important thing is really is for is for people to understand my background. You know, yes, I was a, a footballer, but the book isn't all about football. You know, I I'm, I feel that uh, people here think see me as Bobby Brown. It's an English name. I've got a lot of Welsh in me. My Hopkins side of the family comes out, um, and uh, I, I just. You know, I, I'm just more concerned with people knowing that I'm not just a footballer. And uh, i delighted in those days, but that, that, that's not the whole story in the book. There's lots of ups and downs. And like most people, my life hasn't been nice and steady. Um, there have been some really pitfalls in it, which affected my family. And we've had to come through them. And at the end, I came to Pembrokeshire. Took a big gamble. I thought, think I must have been mad to take on the, the thing we did, but we were anxious to get back here. And um, we, we at the end, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. Everything has gone very well. All he can do is score goals. The Life and Times yeah. of Bobby Brown. I can tell you that that was that <laughs> is a, a, this, the title comes from something which was shouted out at the game when I didn't, or we didn't have a particularly good match. And I didn't have a particularly good match, but at the last few minutes of the game, I scored rather, uh, uh, you know, what I thought was a very good goal, and someone shouted it from the crowd. All he can do is <laughs> score goal. That'll <laughs>
0: do. <laughs> yeah.
9: So that that's why that's where the name of the book comes from.
0: And locally, is it going to be on sale in? Is it Victoria Bookshop, Bobby, and having in rest? Victoria
9: Bookshop? Think yeah. on
0: the twenty
9: about the twenty seventh, twenty sixth, or twenty seventh of um, November. I think. Um, marnie from there has organized the signing session i'm just amazed can i just say that the book initially started because somebody came to speak to me about his book he was writing <laughs> a boy, <Nick> Burnell, <laughs> and, and we went into all detail because of things that i knew when i went with with the welsh fa and worked under mike smith who was the manager and i learned so much from mike smith of of organizing things that it, it that he, he was fantastic but Nick came down and when we spoke for about an hour finding out things that I knew about the international period in 1970s he just said to me crikey why don't you put this down for your family <laughs> <laughs> don't think your grandchildren would like it didn't did you know anything about your great-grandfather and all these things and he said I'll help you and so about three weeks later I just picked up a pen and started writing And I was amazed at what I can remember. So the book really was for to be left for family, but it's just developed through the help of this Nick Burnell, and uh, has got to where we are. I'm just astonished that it's
0: taken off so well. Um, Listen, thank you for telling us about it and, and do let us know when that, that's confirmed when, when you're going to be doing that signing because we will definitely give that a mention and, and I'll, I'll be wanting to read a copy of that as well. Really you'll good. You're giving us a real, real taste. Bobby, thank you ever so much for your time. Thank, thank you for you, joining Bobby. us this thank evening on the we'll yeah. show. I, I enjoy talking to you. I hope it's been acceptable
2: to brilliant. you.
3: Oh, you're brilliant. You're a gentleman, uh, Bobby. It's great to hear your tales. Uh, you're so modest, it's unbelievable.
9: Yeah. Well, You know, the only thing that set me back was my injury and uh, not many people suffered the injury that I had. My knee came out the joint in the game Mm. and uh, I'm afraid they didn't repair cruciate ligaments
0: in those days no no, Bobby thank you ever so much for your time we will have to leave it there we've still got a bit more to come on the show this evening though it is Monday evening and this is Pure West Sport
10: Tenby Blues Festival returns on November the 12th to the 14th featuring American Mike Farris Australian Georgia Van Etten and lots and lots of homegrown talent including Errol Linton Kyla Brox the Kennelly Brothers the Daybreakers and many many more For full information and to get your tickets, visit tenbyblues.co.uk. Get your mojo working at Tenby Blues Festival. How are you, Bob? Good, thanks, Chris. Is it true what I heard?
5: Yeah, we're officially the best butchers in Wales.
6: service give us a call on 01437 763387
8: Get more for your money at OC Davis Roundabout Garage Nayland, the MG dealer for Pembrokeshire Adventure awaits with 0% APR across the MG range including the MG HS the new MG ZS and MG 3. Feel the power of electric motoring with zero advance payment on the mobility scheme and as a thank you to our key workers you can enjoy a contribution of up to £8,500 pounds Don't forget all UMGs come with a 7-year warranty as standard. For more information, go online to
0: www.ocdavis.com or call 01646 600858. Well, a very good evening and welcome back. If you're listening right now, you haven't got much choice, actually. You're either listening on your smart speaker or on the Pure West Radio website. Uh, If you're watching on Facebook, this is uh, going back a couple of days and we've uploaded the video, it is being recorded, so uh, the video will be live. But brilliant to talk to Bobby Brown. What a nice chap and some great stories as well. And just very casually mentioning some of the greatest footballers that have ever played, Bobby Moore, George Best. Yeah,
3: I mean, phenomenal. a person of his uh, calibre, it's just so great to hear, isn't it? You know what I mean? He's so modest, uh, mm. he's, you know, and he didn't, re- he, was so, he didn't want to talk about his footballing days that much, really. No. He, bit, he seemed a little bit embarrassed to talk about it, you know? But yeah. he, he has been in some superb company, brilliant footballers that he played with and against, and an amateur for Great Britain, playing in the Olympics. Uh. And he, he don't call me great. You're great, Bobby, you're great.
0: <laughs> and it had the, what was the name of the pub in Palkham, Gordon?
3: It was the Rising Sun, Rising Sun. yeah, I remember they, I going remember. there.
0: I remember this for a couple of reasons. One, one I think Bill paid actually. I went with Bill for dinner and he did a brilliant half and half chicken curry, chips, and rice. <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah, you are right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Excellent.
2: Just to read it, yeah. the paper that you been picked for England. You know, that's how they oh, yeah, found out. They it just takes years you back ago. to this. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and the thing is, he he will always be an Olympian as well, yeah, which absolutely. is something that you can't take away with, with a great and, record. And he as well. is
3: right. When he worked in the Rising Sun, Nobody knew no, no, that he was a no. top class footballer you know who who played amateur and professional football nobody knew it came out like years later mm. you yeah. are you played where you
0: are yeah, and that's a, that's a mark of him really, isn't it? It's yeah. great, great to hear from him and we will uh, let you know when his book signing will be because I think that's well worth a read. Uh, right, still plenty more to cover. Fraser, Sam Ryan have made a really good start in the indoor cricket, haven't they?
2: They have been, even without the uh, trouble, winning £2.5 million man, they... <laughs> I'd just read out the score here. Narbeth, 109 for 3. Llanerina reached out 110 for 2. John Strawbridge, Nigel Delaney and Yuan James all reaching 25 and retiring. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it means I can stay on the studio on Monday nights for a couple of weeks more, yeah.
0: And I had Yuan in my fantasy team and took him out right at the last minute. So, Neil Williams of Pembroke, Pembrokeshire Veterans needs to have a good knock to think up, yeah. uh, so well done Slam Ryan one more game to come this evening
2: yeah there is I think we've got the B League starting off haven't we Pembroke Doc B against Nathan C I believe um, yeah and two teams actually who picked young sides development sides so that'll, be, that'll be a good watch
0: in fact, it's ten to nine, so they probably will be underway in that they third final be, game. And yeah. that was an eight thirty start, wasn't it? So, yeah, a busy night down at the Nayland Hub. Right, a few things just to, to rattle through to finish the show. Actually, uh, we spoke actually about Mike Phillips last week on the program, and 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 just after we finished, we we had the news that. Well, the headline was Whitland legend to make a return. And Gordon, first thing I thought was Fraser's putting his boots back on. But no, it's Mike Phillips, isn't it? He's going to be turning out for Whitland on the 23rd of October. And this is this is big news, isn't it?
2: Yes, it is. I mean, it, it, you know, Mike Phillips straight away he's boasting about build a new stand. You know that's the character he is. But we joke about it. It will put a lot of people on the gate, won't it? Just to see him come on, whether he starts or he's as a substitute. Funny enough, we spoke to Gareth Bennett, didn't we, Whitland Show in, in the first hour of the sh- in the first hour of the show. He said, "Oh, I'll make him train. He might have to come off the bench. <laughs> Mike ain't coming if he's not going to be centre stage." We all know that. So yeah. now, look, just something like that. It is his hometown club. It's nice for him to to play a game for them. Shane Williams did the same, didn't he, back at Am. And it will put bums and seats, Ben, and it will, you know, regenerate some interest around the game. So it can only be a good thing.
3: Yeah,
0: Gordon, it is exciting, isn't it, for for rugby in the county? And well, I know famously Whitland are right on the border, of course, but we won't open that debate. No. But to, to have Mike Phillips back involved playing playing again it is is exciting for Whitland, no doubt. Uh,
3: yeah, it's great, isn't it? You know, he's played at every level, international. As he had 99 caps, I think it was? Yeah, yeah. 99, so his 100th cap will be playing for Whitland <laughs> at Park Lindy Gwyn. Gwynn. Uh, no, it's great. Great, you know, people will love to see Mike back in uh, the green and white hoops of Whitland playing for his hometown club. And um, it'll be a great occasion. It's whether he'll be able to keep his place or not. It'll be interesting to see. <laughs>
2: I can tell you one thing. You'll be scrapping within 20 minutes. There'll be a yellow card there somewhere. <laughs> yeah.
0: Do we exactly. think it's a one-off? Do you think it might be more than one game? Or do you think it's strictly a one-off? I think it'll strictly be a one-off, yeah. Ben. Do and you
3: it, in this professional area? Yeah. I don't think Whitland could afford it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exciting though isn't it so 23rd of October I That's think right. isn't it yeah, yeah. For, for, for Whitland against Aberyst so we'll have more on that nearer the time and no doubt about it another Pembrokeshire rugby player to to make the news and she's had quite a bit of attention Fraser we've spoken about mm. Jasmine Joyce on the show r- really since the Olympic Games and then she's been brilliant in the sevens since hasn't she mm. and she's been in the news again over the last couple of days but um really making the the case for Sevens rugby?
2: Well she has, she's obviously been part of the full-time programme for the Olympics and these two tournaments are so with GB, they've won both of them, She played at the tournament in both actually and and she's come out and said now she's had to remind people constantly this isn't what she does for a living, you know she now goes back to three years as a essentially an amateur player Um, has sit on the Seven Circuit of Wales will be part-time they're, they're barely funding that and I think she, she has called out the WRU and a lot of things and they need to be because I think you know, the, the funding thing is a difficult one. The money isn't there in the WU at the moment to throw it all game, let alone the women's game. And, and, you know, it might sound a cynical thing to say the women's game isn't maybe drawing off enough funding Um and justify throwing more at it than they do the men's game. But, you know, the, certainly the way that women have been treated at the international level have been shabby. You know, outside the financial side, they've been neglected in a lot of ways. And I think this could be the first start now of a player speaking out because the players haven't. They've been silenced. You know, we know that we've been asked mm. to keep silence. There's been a lot of questions from the media towards the WIU about the women's game, which have gone unanswered. But Jasmine Joyce is different now because she's now in a position of strength. You know, she's become a global star, hasn't she, these last few weeks. And the WIU need her more at the moment than she needs them. So for her to speak out could have a real influence and I hope it's the star of
0: something We'll we'll keep an eye on it because um, Gordon there's no doubt that that Jasmine's star has really shone bright over the last few months and, and she's doing a lot of good for women's rugby
3: 100%. She's a hundred percent. She's a class act, and she and she's performed on the highest stage, and and has pref- and proved that she is the star. And uh, it is a, a precarious and difficult situation for the Wru with the women's game. I agree with Fraser. They need to actually uh, address this problem, and and do it promptly. Uh, I'm sure they can come to some sort of arrangement where. They can have a, a decent players uh, seven circuits a team on the seven circuit, um, but you know we all know that they're really slow at moving. Are the WRU? They until they're pushed into a corner they won't do anything. So jazz will push them into a corner hopefully and they will be forced the, forced to do something about it and i wish her all the best because she deserves the best A career is so short 10 years yeah. lifespan you and she's in the middle of that now and and she's, she's in the peak of her ability yes. and she deserves the rewards that come with it she's proved it on the higher stage
0: okay um A couple of other things that we'll we'll finish on. Uh, There's a lot of discussion about whether the Ashes is going to start in two months' time, isn't there? Um, Tim Payne made made some comments to say that we're going to be here on the 8th of December, whether Joe Root is or not. What what do the two of you think? I I do have quite a bit of sympathy for the England players because I don't think any, any sports side has spent as much time in quarantine bubbles as England's cricketers. I can see where they're coming from.
2: It's such a difficult situation, but I think fiercely Tim Payne should have learnt from when he spoke up at Ravi me halfway through the Indy series, that backfired and a bit of a loose connection between his brain and mouth. But, you know, the English one, at times have changed, haven't they? I think 15, 20 years ago, or even 10 years ago, you asked me this and I'd say, get on with it. You know, nothing can re- you know replicate going out, holding a bat in your arm to the Ashes to play mm-hmm. for England. This is a unique situation now. I think there's obviously players who are very concerned about what's going on I do think and and People, I won't be popular saying this because um, people outside of sporting circles might, might not see it this way, I do think exemptions can be made, they're made for the Ryder Cup for family members to go out, I do think you know, providing rules are stuck to and bubbles are maintained, the Australian government could make exceptions for families to go out I know it was something that Stuart Broad has called for, um, it's something that actually could put the Australian Open tennis into jeopardy even writing mm. today about Novak Djokovic probably not going because his anti-vaccination stance and so on Um You know, and I think some agreement has to be come through from Australia. I think they can be give and take here. I understand they've got stricter rules than us. Um, but, you know, they, if they have to implicate rules on the families and the support members that do go out there, so be it. And if those people break those rules, then then sure enough, they deserve to be punished. But I do think they should have the opportunity and be doing everything to get this uh, event ahead. And remember, it's not just about sport. You know, this does so much to the Australian economy as well, doesn't it? Mm. You know, and a, t- a tour like the Ashes. So right. I'd like to think some kind of agreement can be reached. But the longer this goes on, the more
0: uncertain I am. It's really, really tough, isn't it, uh, Gordon? Do, we, do you think we'll get the Ashes?
3: Uh, I think it'll probably go ahead to be honest with you Uh, both parties have to come together and they've got to get this done Uh, I understand the difficult circumstances of players who have been on tour last year played the whole summer not been with their families been in a bubble it's been very difficult for them really difficult and until you're under that duress you don't know how difficult it is but at the end of the day Cricket still has to go on. Uh, I can't. See, you know, we took yeah. the financial implications are big in Australia. They they, they need this to happen, um, but whether they can sort of arrange another time to do it, I, I don't know. But I I I think deep down they will come to some sort of arrangement. But mm. if it doesn't happen, I fully understand why. We've
2: got yeah, so well let's get else to... on, not we? We've got so let's, much yeah. else on around the world that we managed to negotiate, I think we could Yeah, do yeah
0: let's hope so uh, well listen we, we, we're pretty much done and I've not even had the chance to say to Gordon I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is under a bit of pressure at Manchester United <laughs> as well
3: no pressure uh, at all
0: <laughs> after more drop points on Saturday um, we also started the show by saying well done to uh, have the West County that was a really good 1-1 draw against Connors at the weekend let's hope that the weather gets better in Pembroke Should we get more action uh, Fraser well done to you once again 34 miles top effort yesterday yourself, uh, well done Llam Ryan. if they do want to give a 2.5 million Fraser Watson a call up <laughs> we'll I'm sure we'll be able to find a substitute for the show notes (laughs) when the only joking phrase, we'd miss you. Uh, Have a